It's going to create a nuclear winter. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, April 28th, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 508. This is No Agenda. Calling CQDX for all stations worldwide from the Travis Heights hideout in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin Tejas, in the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, 73, I'm John C. DeVore. It's Craig Vaughn and Buzzkill. In the morning. <laughs> Spoken like a true uh, ham who doesn't do anything about it. <laughs> who has no idea what he's talking about. That's right. I don't know nothing. <laughs> 73s. You might, 73. You might say that at the end of the show. Saying it at the beginning is a little, <laughs> a little lame. <laughs> Hey, dude, 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 we missed an opportunity. Uh, Dude, we must we must remember to do this properly next year, because I think it's like the third year in the row. I'm probably saying this whenever they have the White House correspondence dinner um, in Washington, D.C., also known as what it it was like, hashtag nerd prom douche fest no, douche palooza douche fest as the hashtag for c-span <laughs> no they, but somehow they thought it was c-span thought it was cool to call it nerd prom this is not nerd prom douche palooza well, I mean, yeah I, but let's face that's that that was sent down obviously by the group mm-hmm. they told oh, yeah. c-span oh, yeah. to do that oh, yeah. because that was the punchline to the lame yes. video that yes. the operation put together uh, wait a minute. Which video is that? You mean there? It's Kevin Spacey video. I didn't see this, Kevin. What? What? How did I miss this? I missed the long introduction video when Ed Henry, the head of the organization that puts on this thing, no. uh, he played. He, the guy's not funny, by the way. He's a no. Fox guy. I think Fox people generally have no sense of humor. Now, uh, let's just explain to people who uh, do not. Uh, in fact, most people have no idea what we're talking about, except you That's know, true, because who the heck cares? <laughs> who knows about this? So every year, the White House correspondents, uh, that would be the um, the the people who sit uh, in the White House and ask questions, or basically receive the script and then read it on their uh, on their cable channels, uh, airwaves, um, they have a dinner. And this dinner is, uh, has progressed over the decades into a, a total douche fest. But, of course, it kind of – I don't have a problem with it. It makes a lot of sense because, you know, you can only get a table if you're a news organization. But then right, you're they allow- get to buy the tables right. at $2,500 a pop. Per, no, per, per seat, right? Not per table. No, no, per, per, per table. Oh, no, I thought it was per seat. Are you kidding no, no, me? They explained. You missed this, too. The guy went through long details wow. about the menu, the prices, and all No, the I missed all of this. This is annoying. You told me you were watching it for two hours. When I, I was watching it for two hours, and that was the red carpet, which there was no Ryan Seacrest. This is the mistake. No, but they making. had uh, uh, Claire Danes, who I didn't realize it, but apparently cannot walk in high heels. <laughs> no, but I'm talking about I'm talking about the press. So anyway, so so you you twenty five hundred dollars a table apparently, which I think is cheap. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is ten thousand a table for ten seats. Yeah, this is a, it's very you, cheap. You to, but you can't not not anyone can buy a table. It's, it's exclusive in that regard. Right, exactly. So you so you have to be a, a press organization. And then you can invite whoever you want to invite. And, you know, of course, this has gotten a little more crazy over the years, although I don't think so because, you know, this is these celebrities who are invited. They are the true bread and butter of the news industry. So to me, it makes total sense that they invite these people. I mean, I don't see any any issue with it at all. 
but this has now become uh, controversial. And um, but I but, said, oh, so so okay. Just keep explaining it then, because I have a couple of <laughs> couple of things I want to ask you. Okay, Go all on. right, and and then I have I have one one clip. So, um, but typically this is kind of like a, a roast, if you will, also a very traditional American kind of thing, where the uh, the president will uh, make fun of the uh, either a little bit of himself, a little bit of the relationship between him and the press, um, but then also you know just about uh, whatever whatever's going on at uh, at the at the moment, current events. You know, we've had uh, President Obama say some pretty interesting things in the past. So this is one of my favorites. I have two words for you. Predator drones. <laughs> Which, of course, you know, it's always hilarious. It's hilarious. And so I feel that, you know, the truth is often spoken. And they bring in... I, I agree. And they bring in a, um, you know, a celebrity comedian to, uh, you know, to, to, to host the evening. So basically it's just who has, you know, it's just joke writers, because both the president and, in this case, Conan O'Brien are just reading off the jokes. President, I will say, very relaxed. I felt he did a good job. Um... You know, it wasn't like, it weren't like knee slappers, you know, it was like, okay, it was pretty, you know, it was okay. Um, then he was appropriate and, you know, how he toned it down because of the tragedy. But, of course, it really is a whole, you know, shut up and let them eat cake thing that's happening here. And then nothing is more funny to me when you see celebrities and new celebrities on the red carpet and they're waiting in line to walk the red carpet, and you see how <laughs> stupid. And you, and you see how the women are turning and posing. And what that needs, John, what that needs is you and I. <laughs> they're idiots. No, it needs you and I, you know, doing a voiceover and talking about them. I mean, can't you just see how that would be perfect? It <laughs> would be great. And we could have uh, Miss Mickey for color when we don't remember who, you know, who when we don't know who someone is. We probably she, won't know who half of them are, but no, no, no. I think we would look. You, you, uh, right? you probably you would know more than me. No, I, I no. I think no. I think. I mean, it took me 10 minutes to, to figure out that her name was Kathleen Turner. I'm like, who's that fat one? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but I, I was like, is it Sybil Shepherd? No, it's like, uh, but, uh, yeah, but, but I think we could totally do it. You know, we could do, uh, let me see. Do we have a, do we have a crowd thing? Uh, so what we need, what we actually, you know, I'm thinking we should actually do this. We need the feed. Well, no, I think we but, can get I, people watching. No, I think <laughs> just making fun of people. No, I think that what we can do next time because it's live on the internet, so anyone can uh, listen. You know, so you can have like the simulcast. You could be watching the video and then have our voiceover. Yeah. You know, because we'd be like, "Oh, there's George Stephanopoulos." You know, you know, and we could talk about how tiny he is. Oh wait, no, Conan did all those jokes already. Um, but you know, it's like you, you, it could be fun. I, I can see where that could that would be worthwhile. So, okay. so I'm my not convinced. Thing, I'm not they, convincing you. Besides the red carpet, they also had a little photo shoot area that <laughs> with, a, with one of those backdrops. It with a backdrop, but shooting away. So apparently, it's CBS that brought in Clara Danes, and yeah. uh, so they so and who is her? Who is her, it? Seemed to be her. I think her date. Oh, it was Bob Schieffer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, wow. This guy talking about perks for the job. Did you see him? Did you see that shit eating grin he had on his face when yes, he came exactly. in? He had a huge shit eating grin. <laughs> and he had Claire Danes, who couldn't stand up for the life of her. I mean, she's just wobbling all over the place. I didn't realize that she was, uh, you know, a. Uh, uh, well, uh, well let, me, let me. This leads right into two clips that I have. So the person who was made a stink about this thing, it started last year, and, and this year. 
you know, it's, oh, there's that grump. In fact, he is now the buzzkill of the news, uh, news and entertainment industrial complex is Tom Brokaw. And Tom, right. and Tom Brokaw is, he actually gives a very good rundown of the history of this and how it changed into this celebrity fest. And he pinpoints when it changed. Um, and it, so you're feeling really good when you hear him talk about this, but then it turns out he's just as full of shit of the rest of them. So listen to this. It was always a fun gathering, uh, but work could be done. It was a mix of uh, important Washington sources who were congressional committee chairman. Uh, both parties would be represented. The administration would be represented. Supreme Court justices would come, and the Washington Press Corps would go, and we'd have a festive evening, a, a lot of kind of homegrown humor, uh, not always bringing in an outsider. Very often they would get the very clever people who worked in Washington, and they would do routines of some kind. Uh, and it was at the end of the evening, I always thought, productive for both sides, for those who were public office holders or appointees of some kind in the press. We could get to know each other a little bit and talk about things in a more casual fashion. And then it began to evolve. It got larger. Uh, I remember in 74, 75, I think, it might have been 75, when the original cast of Saturday Night Live came down. And it was a big hit, with good reason. It was Chevy and John Belushi and Lauren Michaels brought him in. And it was appropriate. They were doing a lot of political stuff, and it kind of raised, if you will, the profile of the White House Correspondents Center. Then somewhere along the line, it began to freewheel out of control. Uh, the correspondent who brought uh, Fawn Hall. Yeah. Uh, now, Fawn Hall was um, uh, Oliver North's secretary, right? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, think. Could, yeah, and she was very pretty. She, you know, had kind of like oh, the Farrah fair, Fawcett hair, and yeah. uh, but she somehow messed up the the Iran Contra thing. A lot of it hinged on her. It was Oliver North's secretary. I'm sorry, Oliver North. Yeah, but a lot, but it was a lot of the Iran Contra um, hinged on her testimony of. How she had somehow deleted something while leaning left and made a wrong entry. You know, she was very key at the time. And of course, it was perfect to have, you know, a beautiful secretary involved in some political scandal. It really took it to a different level. Uh, then it became more of a tabloid kind of dinner. And I watched, and, and uh, I was not censorious in any way. I took Lee Iacocca one year. But I was kind of embarrassed by the end of the evening because it was sophomoric humor and a lot of people were drinking way too much. Uh, and a, a lot of, uh, can I have my picture taken with you? Can I get your autograph? Too cozy by half. Um, so I just didn't go anymore. But I would watch on C-SPAN. And as I watched on C-SPAN, I would try to put myself kind of, if you will, in the person of an interested citizen in Kansas City or Little Rock or in Spokane, Washington. Which, by the way, the way he says that sounds so elitist by itself. Like, oh, yeah, you totally. stupid hicks. In the, well, in the, I yeah. was a hick in yeah, Arkansas. Stupid hicks. And I was watching this. Yeah. I'd <laughs> say these guys are douchebags. Yeah, exactly. Saying, that's the Washington press corps? I mean... There was more dignity at my daughter's junior prom That's true. than there is what I'm seeing on C-SPAN here. True. Then we got to that point where everyone had to bring in whatever page six celebrity happened to be around. And for me, the breaking point was Lindsay Lohan. She became a big star at the White House Correspondence yeah. Center. Give me a break. So, you know, it's a, I'm, I'm liking Broke Jaw when I hear him talk like this, but then at the end, 
Here's a little 30 seconds where he ruins everything and, and it just shows that he's the same douchebag as all of them. Or Lindsay Lohan, the, someone who I've cited before. Um, on the other hand, my friend Bob Schieffer immediately sent me a picture of him sitting with Claire Danes and saying, sorry, Broca, I'm not giving this up. I get that. Oh. Claire Danes is not someone I'm talking about. She's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you oh, can bring in. George oh, Clooney loves to come there. He's Clooney. a serious guy in Hollywood. That's fine. Clooney, Claire but Dane. it's gone down market in life. Now, you're an asshole, broke jaw. And, <laughs> and by the way. Wrong, what difference wrong, does it wrong. make whether it's Lindsay Lohan or Claire Dane? She's a big deal, John. She's a big, She's deal. A big deal. She's a big deal. And Clooney's a serious guy in Hollywood. Oh. Yeah. But here's the question. Drunk or not drunk. What do you think? Say it, do it again. Are you not hearing this? I heard it, but I couldn't understand it. Drunk or not drunk. Drunk or not drunk. Not drunk. Not drunk. That's just the way he talks. I've met him. I I I was always uh, impressed by him, but for, you know that was like a, what a what a, dis- a what a do- what a disappointment from to say that. Oh, Claire Dane, she's a big deal. That's okay. Oh, shut no, up. It's bad. He he blew it with that. Yeah, big time. Claire so it's Dane. like yeah, Lindsay Lohan. I don't like you talking. It's just like a just he is the hick from Arkansas. Yeah. Well, I don't like that Lindsay Lohan, but that Claire Danes <laughs> is pretty. She's good. She's looking good. Looking mighty pretty. <laughs> and who is that one with the big hooters from that family, from the modern family show? She's good. She's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So that just, you know, just proves the whole point. It does prove it. Really, it really, it really destroys pro- his own art. Yeah. But this is, so that's exactly what it is. But this is what the, the, the news and entertainment industrial complex is about. They need the celebrities because turn on the news. It's all about the celebrities. I mean, oh man, I saw Donnie Wahlberg the other day on CNN talking about Boston. You know, it's like yeah. just get more celebrities in. Make. Yeah. So uh, I, I take it. I take it you didn't. You didn't. Uh, no, it was Donnie. Sorry, not Mark. It was Donnie. This is what I'm talking about. It's it's ludicrous. But this anyway. So the whole event was, uh, uh, you know, it was a. It was for one thing. It's it's jammed. I listened to the. He had they read off the menu. It didn't sound that interesting. Everybody who was all the publishers and all the mucky mucks were there. I saw. Uh, Kramer from USA Today, who I worked with over here at Market Watch, and then his editor who used to be the editor here, sitting next to him, and they they were just smiling. Yeah, and, and what, did I see know, Pierce more? It just seems like a huge waste of time for a major publication to be at yeah. this thing in Washington D.C. if they're not headquartered there. So, the, so two things, and I think you had some questions for me. But so, first of all, did I not see Pierce Morgan walk in with Jeff Zucker as his date? Wasn't that Jeff Zucker? Jeff Zucker, I saw him. I think he was. Uh, he, but think he, he was sitting with. I believe it would. I think he and Pierce came in as dates. That's I mean, a possibility. Oh, it was just. And, no, I was. I was thinking Katzenberg was with Spielberg. Yeah, no, no, no. I was. And oh yeah, and then they had the whole Spielberg yeah, Daniel Day Lewis thing. That was lame. Lame. And um, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, what is it with C-SPAN and BuzzFeed? What is it with BuzzFeed in general? You know, so C-SPAN's like, oh, BuzzFeed couldn't buy a table. They've been excluded. They're doing their own party. Well, let's do a split screen now with a pub where BuzzFeed is doing that. And everyone's talking about BuzzFeed. What is this BuzzFeed they speaketh of? Well, that is the spinoff of Politico. I thought it was, it, it's the spinoff of Huffington Post. Isn't it? The, no, no. Isn't the co-founder of Huffington Post, didn't he set no, that up? No, he's the co-founder of 
Politico. No, I think you're wrong, John. No, I don't think I'm wrong. Yeah, I do think you're wrong. Well, look the guy's name up and you'll see. Okay, but what's the guy's name? I gotta look it up. <laughs> but you know, you look at BuzzFeed. It's like here. There's the homepage of BuzzFeed. Seventeen acapella covers of indie rock songs. Uh, can you get through this without shaking your butt? Celebrity fashion at the White House correspondence dinner. I mean, who gives a uh, crap about this? Okay, here we go. I get it now. All right, you're right, and I'm right. Oh, a rare occurrence. <laughs> you're more right. <laughs> Co-founded in 2006 by Jonah Peretti, who is the co-founder of the Huffington Post, but it's uh -huh. run by this guy who came over, Ben Smith, who uh -huh. was the guy who started Politico. Oh, okay. And he's and he's the he runs it. Okay. So it's a combination of people. Okay. But you know, this is like heavily funded. So they funded. had their own little party, you know, which actually, you know, who cares? Let's see what jobs they have. Can we get a job there? Job openings. Let me see what we have. <laughs> job. Breaking news reporter. Hmm. How, how about, that means you have to have no, uh, I, some flatulence. Wait, business reporter. Means, we can be a business reporter. Let's see. BuzzFeed is here. John, this is for you. BuzzFeed is hiring hungry, aggressive, fast, and smart business reporters to help us build a new kind of business vertical for the social web. <laughs> what do you do? Well, I'm building a new business vertical for the social web. <laughs> the successful candidates will have knowledge and sources in one of the following. Media and entertainment business, Wall Street, specifically the bulge bracket banks, M&A, private equity, hedge funds, and venture capital. The technology industry, retail, particularly big brands of interest to a digitally native audience. Yes, pick up a call listen, in there. Listen to this. Listen, listen to how stupid this is. Their English is even incorrect. Big brands of interest to a digitally native audiences. Okay, great, great. What? Yeah, what? No, what? this is what it says. This is how bad it is. Big brands of interest to a digitally native audiences <laughs> or another core industry beat, as well as a native grasp of hot news works online. Oh, how news works online. Sorry. The right candidate has the ability to... Turn earnings reports, SEC filings, macroeconomic data, and complex financial transactions into insightful and fun posts readers will want to share. Oh, this is a job for me. Yay. Guess what, everybody? Apple stock down, but that doesn't mean iPhone 6 won't be great. Share. Share my tweets, my posts. It's going to be great. Share it. Like, like, <laughs> like, 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 like. Responsibilities. Ooh, responsibilities. Pitch and write stories daily. Oh, man, you mean I got to work for this job? Wow. Oh, that's break news. This is a responsibility. You must break news. Hey, Dvorak, you break any news yet? Yeah, I broke a story. I broke <laughs> it. I just busted it up. Here we go. Develop sources. Oh, here we go. Have the capacity to pitch, report, and present stories in non-traditional ways. What does that even mean? What does that mean? And appear on radio and TV as necessary to promote the your and the team's work. I swear to God, that's what it says. Let me read that again to you. This is BuzzFeed. They're, this is this is this is the journalistic integrity of their checking their own job postings. Appear on radio and TV as necessary to promote the your and the team's work. Very good, BuzzFeed. What idiots! Wow, what a convoluted sentence. Requirements. Oh. Well, it's not convoluted. I think the word the, they just left it in. They, this is a copy-paste from something else, and somehow that... Because it should be appear on radio and TV as necessary to promote your and the team's work, but it's the your. Requirements. Business reporting experience. I got that. I think I qualify. Uh, comfort 
dealing with financial data and high-level executives. Sure. Social media presence. That John, with your fifty thousand followers, you're you're way up there. I have eighty-eight. Be a team player. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That's it. No haters. No haters, John. No haters. That's a requirement. Can you believe that? No haters. It says that. It says no haters. Yes, as a what? Requ- <laughs> it says no haters. Yes. No. I thought you were just kidding. No. No. No haters. Wow. Yeah. Buzzfeed. That sounds like a boring publication. Buzzfeed is the most important publication online since the Huffington Post and Politico, which is owned by the Washington Post. Is it not? Isn't owned by uh, someone? Me, 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 some, so, I'm not sure. Yeah, something like up. that. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, and, I'm just looking for something to hate. <laughs> Don't be a hater. Now, you had some questions about this for me, I believe. No, I, I, you forgot already? No, okay, and we don't have any clips. No, I I, I was thinking you were going to get some clips. I couldn't really get any clips. There was a couple of clips that I, I'll just tell you what they were that I would have got. Mm-hmm. One is where Obama, and I think this was serious because, as you say, the truth does come out during. These oh things. wait, let me guess. Where he said, "I'm no longer the strapping young Muslim socialist that I was." No, oh, because I thought that was like oh, okay, that's true. Yeah, no, that I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, that that was one of the possibilities. Well, no, the one was I would have not run if Shelley Adelson had given me a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, and then he threw uh, threw it to uh, to the first lady and said Michelle thought about it. No, he says I thought about it. Yeah. I know Michelle thought oh, right, about it. Right, right, right. That's what it was. And she's like laughing. Oh, oh, oh I did. <laughs> so he basically put a price. Yeah, he had a price. Yeah, he had That's a his price. price. $100 million bucks. And uh-huh. Adelson like, spent more, apparently spent more than that. He was being berated by uh, by the president, Adelson, Shelley. Yeah. He, he basically said, you know, you wasted all your money. You lost. You, you just threw it away. You could have just given it to me and you've been done with me and I'd be out of here and I'd be a happy camper. Yep. It's essentially what he said. <laughs> yeah. And I know, oh, yeah, it was a joke. He was just kidding around. <laughs> no, right. He said he wasn't kidding around. He said yeah. he thought about yeah. it and his wife thought about it. I believe it. it. I believe it. I totally believe but there was it. N- I, who wouldn't? But there was no offer, of course. This aggravation? No, but there was no offer. There was no offer. No, there wasn't. I mean, but he just, he that's what he was, he was scolding Adelson for not thinking clearly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. You could have saved some money, got what you wanted. How come there's never like a, a bomb at those events? <laughs> you know, as they were milling out, they had this nice camera at the end showing all these people coming out. He said, oh, I didn't know she was there. Oh, look who it is. Yeah. And all these people trying to, trying to, you know, weasel their way out. Uh, and, it, and it was jammed. It was crowded. Yeah. It was not a big room. Did you see the dogs, the, the, the sniffer dogs on the red carpet? At a certain point, like this sniffer dog takes off after one of these women who's standing outside. And it was just, it was just like, you know, the whole thing is bizarre. But it really, it needs a, a Curry Dvorak commentary, red carpet. Hi, George Stephanopoulos, who are you wearing? I mean, that's really, that's really, who are you wearing? That's really what, that's really what it was missing. Yeah, who are you, who are you wearing? It's a classic. Who, who are you wearing? Yeah. Oh, hey, Newt Gingrich. By the way, any, Newt Gingrich will talk to anybody. Oh my yeah. God! He just is like what? And and he. Uh, Even I interviewed him once. <laughs> there it's you true. go. Case in point. Case in point. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Hey, let's uh, let's boogie right on through and thank. Uh, no, wait. 
Let me say in the morning to you, John C. Devore. Well, in the morning to you, Adam Curry, in the morning to all the ships at sea out there, the boots on the ground and the feet in the air and the subs in the water and the knights and dames out there. That's right. CQDX to all of you. And uh, the chat room, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Can you tell I'm getting excited about Hamvention? Ooh, Hamvention. Are you going to go? No. Are you going to have your device I ready? wish. No, I won't have it ready this year. No, the ham vent. It's in. It's on. It's May seventeenth. It's like in two and a half weeks. I won't be ready. It's in Dayton, Ohio. I wish I could go though. It'd be kind of cool. It's funny when you look at the at the website. It's like you know you can uh, rent uh, scooters, electric scooters. <laughs> it's like really bad it's image. This is a bad image for the ham. It's vent. a horrible image. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, I gotta get a scooter to go around. <laughs> It's, hey, there's old Bob. It's literally what it is. Big Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let us thank uh, our producers. As you know, uh, unlike the uh, the douchebag fest uh, that we saw on television, uh, we actually have producers for our show. Unlike C-SPAN, who just think they can get away with it, and you know, there it goes. It, it served served nobody. Just a couple of dudes like John and I sitting there laughing at all the, the idiots. Uh, but when it comes to the No Agenda show, uh, we have people who actually really support us. Uh, not just yes. with uh, finances, but also with information. Uh, we have our sources. Uh, they won't take payments. They, you know, We don't have commercials running so right. that we're compromised in any, any way, shape. No, no. But but if Shelly Allison wants to do analysis, so you know you can't buy analysis, we have to do it ourselves. Yes, you do, you do. If if Shelly Adelson would pay us a hundred million, though, I do, we'd be done. Yeah, <laughs> we'd be. Hey, boy, wasn't Lindsay Lohan awesome? Claire Dane rocks. We'd be right on board in a heartbeat. Uh, John Harrison from Pinehurst, North Carolina, will be our executive producer uh, for show five oh eight. And he's in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Request a MILF shout-out, the yeah. grown-up version, not the child who creeps me out a little. <laughs> yeah, me too. And a shot of karma. <laughs> it is creepy. It's like a little, uh, yeah, it's creepy. And a shot of karma for my lovely wife, Sherry. Keep up the great work. And he should have... Uh, he's on the list. He's on the list to get uh, a night a nighting. That's right. MILF. That's one mother I like. To. You've got... Karma. If I can, uh, if I can just talk to the uh, the engine room for a minute. Uh, if we could turn on the air conditioning, that would be helpful. Thank you. Love you, Heinrich Jaeger. Uh, Heinrich Jaeger, I guess, in Fort Walton, Florida, four five zero eight. Uh, been a boner, now a donor. I've uh, took a, a about time. I took a moment to give back for all the value for value that I've got. And I want to call out Jeff, who I work with as a douchebag. Douchebag. For having listened for years and never donating, even though he is the one who hit me in the mouth. I have been listening since show 320 something. I've lost track now, but I've listened to every single show here and there while I drive or while I'm at work. My main love for the show is that when listening, I know that there is someone else out there who sees behind the curtain, that there are others who see the state that our world is in and where it's going and do not approve. I've always felt outside of my peers. I could never understand why they accepted the bull crap that they were fed or why they bought bought into the marketing and the lies that were constantly shoved in their faces. <laughs> but now I've definitely been exposed to a much wider spider web of lies and bullcrap 
since I began listening, and I'm still in the fence whether or not I am better off for it. So, so this he sent a very long email, and uh, I asked the Buzzkill Junior to put it in the spreadsheet, which he did. And I'd just like to skip ahead to the part that I thought was very funny. And he's a very knowledgeable guy, and I'm not going to tell you where he works, but he has a lot of information. He knows that we're right on about a lot of things. And here's what he said, which I found interesting. I've been wanting to donate for a long time now, at least 100 episodes. However, something that you've always said, Adam, of course, always stood in my way. On... On numerous occasions, you have stated something to the effect of, it always sounds good and like they know what they are talking about until they get to a subject that you, the listener, actually know something about. Then their blatant ignorance makes you question everything else that they have just said. Unfortunately, there are a couple of occasions when you have fallen into that trap and is always right when I am nearly on the verge of donating. Notable instances... Well, what do you think is his example that I don't that I'm not knowledgeable about? Um, the uh, a cold fusion. Oh, well, that would be incorrect. Uh, let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, uh, uh how a NASCAR uh, works its restarts. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you're not even close. Um, well, let's see. <laughs> one more. Uh, one more. Okay. Um. Uh, baseball stats. Oh, I'm so sorry, John. That is incorrect. No, the topic of furries. Apparently, I am very unknowledgeable. Furries? furries. <laughs> what? And the people who dress up furry and... Yeah, I know furries. In fact, I have a whole... When I went to the graduation of this my... This is John uh, C. Dvorak, who is now speaking, and he is uh, presumably very knowledgeable about the furries. Uh, uh, well, my knowledge stems from Buzzkill Jr., who graduated from Evergreen... Where people could uh, at Evergreen when they have, which is one of the more famous colleges in the country for being wacky. So you go to the graduation, and people can dress up any way they want. Some put a cap and gown on, some wear a stripper outfit. Some of the girls, some uh, some wait, wear. Wait, you know, what school is this? Let me write this down. Evergreen. Oh, Evergreen. <laughs> There's All a right. couple of the girls. It's like wow. <laughs> so anyway, and 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 there is a number of furries that attend the school, and they dress up as their character. And they take their graduation, they grab their diploma, dressed up as a squirrel or a rabbit or whatever. And uh, so I was asking, I was taking pictures because I had my camera, I was just shooting shots all over the place. And, I, and I, I thought that these guys were just kind of funny. I didn't realize that they were, this was some sort of a sexual thing. Ah, but see, they, this is what I said, and apparently I was wrong. And I think our, our executive producer here, Heinrich, you know, unfortunately, Heinrich, you didn't send me like the correct information, so I can. I, no, I, no, no. I believe. No, our, no, 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 you weren't wrong. I believe if our producer JC's... here is a furry, and I'd like to know more about what's going on. I, I would love to hear. For in fact, I would love to interview him as a furry. If you have, uh, well, they would love to be interviewed. I'm sure. And generally speaking, if they're like the, the whatever they furry, whatever furry they are, it indicates some of their sexual. Uh, uh, this is this was always this was always my understanding, but yes. You, and so, if you're a rabbit, you like to screw a lot, especially the girls, and you know, so there'll be rap, rabbits and squirrels, and they and they usually have sex in the outfit. This is my understanding as well, but apparently, yeah. apparently, I, uh, I, I, you know, what, here, let wrong. me. Can I take a wild guess? Hmm. You have a son who's a furry, and you get suspicious about his crazy activities and the people he's hanging out with and he gives you a cock and bull story <laughs> about what it's all about. Oh, it's just a club where we read books 
and we go <laughs> and we dance at the Ashkenash in Berkeley once a week. <laughs> Ashkenash. And we jump around, and I, I'm in, she, my girlfriend, the rabbit. She she likes to do the bunny hop. That's her favorite dance, and that's why she wears that outfit. Yeah. Bye, Dad. Hey, Heinrich. Thank you very much. Uh, although it's spelled H I E, which would be more Heinrich. Yeah, whatever. There's another thing I'm not knowledgeable about. And we have our, our last executive producer will be Barry Hanna in. <laughs> Apparently, somebody gets a huge kick out of me saying Akatox, <laughs> uh, Alberta. It's kind of like Spuzzum in BC. Uh, but it's Akatox. 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 Alberta. Mm hmm. 33333. Love the show. Keep up the great work, Barry Hanna. And finally, we have one associate executive producer, Robert Herbert Harms, in Great Bend, Kansas. Uh, $200. Checking in with some value for value. Just started a 1212 per month subscription, and I encourage everyone else to do the same. Love you guys. Aw, thank you so much. Well, this is uh, appreciated because, um, you know, the Sunday shows are uh, are slow. And as you'll see from our donation segment, no change today, but good to see a couple of uh, executive producers and one associate executive producer coming in. And, of course, uh, Heinrich. So it is It's funny because it says Heinrich with an E-I in the spreadsheet, but I-E on his email. I'm thinking it's hmm. Anyway. How would you pronounce it differently? Uh, well, Heinrich. Heinrich. Heinrich versus Heinrich. Heinrich Jäger. Anyway, he will also be the a sole and exclusive member of the 508 Club, which is always nice. This is episode 508, and you can find uh, all of these credits and more, including the credit for uh, our artist who will be chosen uh, as we go to the final production stage of the program. And we thank Thorin for uh, coming in with... Uh, it was funny on 507. What was it? He had a funny one that we liked. We had, it was a lot of good art that came in. Yeah, we had a, the, a deluge. Somehow, like, I think this thing gets clogged rain up. Stick, man. Dude, I'm, I'm getting in trouble here in Austin for the rain stick. So last night there was a a house concert. Oh, by the way, before you go on with that, I want to remind people they can still help us for the show, the Thursday show, Dvorak.org slash NA, channel Dvorak.com slash NA, noagendashow.com and noagendanation.com. Both have donate buttons. Please uh, go to one or all of them. Okay, so uh, he's in the chat room. How do I pronounce it? <laughs> can, you, can you pronounce it in the, in the chat room? Heinrich. I think it's Heinrich and not Heinrich. No, it'll take 20 seconds for to figure it out. Here we go. Dvorak.org. Of course, very important for every single one of you, whether you donate or not, to go out and propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. <laughs> well, so now Heinrich is all upset. He says, you know, he, he specifically asked me, he says in the email, you know, I, I'm sure you won't read parts on this that will identify me. Are we identifying him with this furry thing? No. If he has a son who's a furry. <laughs> well, I hope he's not angry. I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't say. Where he, I didn't say where he works. And by the way, you know, the rain stick. I believe now. I, I've been working on technique. I think you have no, to let no, those no. last oh, no, little no. ones fall at the end. It sounds like can, drops. Can I just say, I'm I'm getting in trouble here. So there was a house concert, a benefit concert yesterday, 
Um, it was it was it was pretty cool actually. Um, who was the guy who played uh, Jerry Lewis on uh, I Walk the Line? Jerry Lewis. Yeah, 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 as a young Jerry Lewis. Uh, was it I Walk the Line? I Walk the Line. What was the Johnny Cash? Uh, yeah, it'd be I Walk uh, the Line. Cast. His name. I don't was remember a, there being a Jerry Lewis in there. Oh yeah, no, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was Waylon. There you go, Waylon Payne. So he performed. It was good. It was very. It was interesting. Did he play Jerry Lewis? No, but no. his mom was. Um, Oh, Sammy, what's her name? Uh, take the ribbon from my hair. Remember that uh, song? This before my time. Sammy Smith. Sammy Smith. Very, very, very. Oh, you know that song, don't you? Nah. Oh, please. You don't know Take the Ribbon from My Hair? Not really. Really? Wow, okay. Well, well, I maybe heard it's it. It's not before your time. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so you know that's her song. He and he played that song. It was nice, but then it's rained. Like <laughs> it's Texas, an outdoor concert. It's not good, and everyone's like, "Damn you, Curry! Why I oughta?" So please, uh, let's go easy on the rain stick because it is our rain stick. It works. I get tweets now, and people Just saying, "Tweets." Yeah, people saying, "Curry, we get it. It works. Stop." <laughs> it's bad. It's superstition. Yeah. Um, so I thought maybe it would be fun to uh, show how a little script works for people who are just checking into this program for the first time. And uh, you actually sent out uh, uh, like a personal email to everybody I saw yesterday about yes. about this, about how we could. Uh, what exactly did you write? It was uh, it was about. I said that we need some way of dis- defining the show because. This is not I, I consider like a postmodern yeah. radio show. Yeah. But nobody knows what that means. You know, you say, Oh, it's postmodern art or it's postmodern comedy or it's postmodern but nobody really, you know, you can look it up and read I have a book that <laughs> just discusses this concept. Uh-huh. And uh it's like, oh geez, I don't know what it means. I know less after reading the book. But it means it's kind of like new in a in a weird way. And um so, uh, but it's not a thing you can sell. Yes, it's a, listen to the No Agenda show. It's postmodern, you know, it's post-modern. damn it. Postmodern. It's like, well, who <laughs> no, cares? No, 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 no. It doesn't mean anything. We right. need some way of saying why, what, what's, in, what's different about the show, because the show is totally different than anything else out there. I mean, there's nobody that does But this also, it, of- it, with the explanation of what it is, it has to enable people to see that you might need to give it uh, two or three goes before you're really into it. That's the problem I described, and I, we've known this for since within a year when we first really got the show formula, which was uh, it takes people. For one thing, the, the beginning puts people off because it's a mockery of of opening morning zoo type stuff. morning zoo type shows, and most of our uh, noises and all the rest is a mockery uh, of the older way things were done, which is again, which is a postmodern idea. And uh, so we are a meta show in some ways, but the other on the other end of it, we do uh, provide uh, news analysis, which is nothing new. People have been doing that forever, but they do it in, uh, but they, it's essentially encapsulated in different uh, forms. I mean, if you go back to the IF Stone newsletter or Seldis, the famous see, journalist. See, the, you, you, when you say IF Stone, ninety nine point nine nine percent of all citizens have no idea what you're talking right, about. Right, I know, but I'm only I say these names. I have Stone and Seldis is the other one. S e l d e s, in because in a new in this era, p 
people can be listening and and they can say, well, let me look him up on Wikipedia. Well, so there's, there's a couple of things now. Traditionally, if you if someone could say, well, you know, they won the Peabody Award, you know, that's that's one way to get people to listen. You know, or if there was some prestigious award, and I think you and I pretty much realize that we're never going to win an award for anything. We can't even get a podcast award. So there's a very right, and and I'm working <laughs> with the inventor or co-inventor or whatever you want of podcasts. Yeah, no, this is not. This does not work for you. This is not good enough. No, no, um, I have to. I don't know what. To and do. what's worse is like there's you know I have this stigma clinging to me of the MTV guy. It makes it even worse. Right, you should still the MTV. Oh yeah, no, that's the guy from MTV. Yeah, that... By the way, people say that to to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I bring up the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you should be listening. I always say Google no agenda, which I think is one of the ways people can at least get a clue that it's not a two-bit operation. Google no agenda. See what you get. We're, we're take over the whole thing for the first five, six pages. And Is that uh, still true? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, some, there's an interloper in there, but it's not worth discussing. Okay. And I say, yeah, I do this show with Adam Curry. Adam Curry, the MTV guy? <laughs> How long does this thing last? Forever until I'm dead. Jeez. Yeah, no, that's never going to stop. Last, when were you on MTV last? What year? 1993. Oh, that's pretty recent. Uh, 20 years ago? That's not recent, John. That's not recent. <laughs> my, you know, my kid was two when I quit. Come on, it's not recent. It's not recent. Um, so the other way, I think there's another way, and it's just to say, uh, yeah, but that's not for you. I think it would, the reverse psychology is the no, 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 no. I, you know, that's okay. I don't, I don't think the No Agenda show is for you. It's, it's kind of an exclusive club. You know, are you familiar with Mensa? Okay, that's not it. You're not supposed to be in it. Trust me, this is not good for you. Something like that. You know, it, you know that technique has its followers, and uh, and I appreciate the the way it works. Um. I personally, uh, it's not my style, uh, but I personally, it's not my style because I don't think I could actually pull it off. Um, really, as a sales. Pitch. Well, how about this one then? So, but no, I think that I think this one's still valid. It's in play. It's a good idea, and it is partially <laughs> it's true. in play. So we can also say you can say, did you see the Matrix? And say red pill, blue pill, and then you say, oh, so this is like a red pill. Said so, no, it's like a kick in the groin. Just something you know, just to, like get them off balance. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is it a red pill? Is it a red pill, red pill show or blue pill show? It's a kick in your nuts, is what it is. I don't know. It's uh, there were a couple people at the party yesterday. I had ex in fact the exact same amount of people who said, "Wow, so you worked with Martha Quinn?" I swear to God, swear to God, I get. This. I don't even know who Martha Quinn is. And uh, as people who say. Wow, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. This, you know, at least there's someone there who's, you know, trying to, you know, expose some truths and the bull crap. And uh and the makeup it, it's hard, you know, so the the one person was actually uh sh who said this you work with Martha Quinn. She comes from an intelligence family in DC. And she's uh, 48. I checked these things. And the guy who said uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing and, you know, how you're deconstructing the media and no one is really doing anything that unique, uh, was a 35-year-old um, gay garden designer. So, you know, it's like you can't pin it on any type of person. 
Very interesting. A garden designer. Yeah. CIA. Same thing. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> All right. So, so I'd like to, uh, for the people who are now, uh, now you're sucked in. Now you're like, okay, well, what is it you guys do? So on Thursday, uh, we already kind of showed, oh, it was actually started on Sunday, and then we took it all the way to Thursday, that um, the administration was trying to, to play out a script with this airplane apocalypse. In fact, we, um, we named the last episode Airplane Apocalypse, and apparently they changed the name a little bit. They shouldn't have called it Airplane Apocalypse. It should have been Airport Apocalypse, and then they went to Air, Airport Armageddon. So they didn't even have the name right. But the whole idea was to... Um, say, oh, the, the Ryan sequestration has ruined air travel, which it didn't. There were some delays because of weather. And yeah, they, I took a trip, and it was... Uh... They chose wisely, and you, you can go on... What's the, uh, what's the website? Uh, the website is... Hold on, where's my Ryan sequestration uh, node? Here it is. The website is... Uh, wow. Hmm. It's like air, airstats.net or something. I can't find. I thought I thought I'd listed it. Uh, anyway, so first of all, the whole thing is kind of bogative because the FAA uh, is uh, the FAA is funded by fees. Well, this is this is very clear. In um, in fact, I got an email about it. Let me read this to you. Yeah, we hit, we brought this up uh, with that when the lawyer came in and talked about the fee based uh, services that the government provides and how can they be cutting yeah. back when they're based on fees, fees and, and exactly uh, TSA was one of them. Yeah, so um, fuel based taxes and seat taxes fully fund the FAA, so it wasn't much of a, a big deal to uh, uh, you know to to patch things up. Which, by the way, has not been signed into law, so nothing has taken place. But all of a sudden. Everything has been has been saved. So, but let me just take you through the messaging, and it got lost because we had you know Boston, and you know it was lost in all kinds of bullcrap. So it didn't work. But they did try it, and here is uh, um, this is uh, what's his name, Martin Bashir, I think, is on MSNBC. Uh, listen to how he was yelling at uh, I don't know if he was yelling at a, at a, at a representative of uh, the he House, yelling at a Republican. Uh, he was yelling at someone. But what he said was quite bizarre. Ma'am, it's hardly surprising that the American people would rather contract gonorrhea or the Ebola virus rather than show any respect for Congress when it's perfectly obvious that members will only take action when it affects them. So the whole setup was, and by the way, that's just bizarre for him to say that. Um, so the whole setup was... He uh, must have gonorrhea. <laughs> that's exactly no, right. That's right. Think about it. Uh, I think we missed something in the report before that. Um, but the whole setup was uh, sequestration, um, Congress sucks, but oh, they're standing in line. Now it's affecting them. So then all of a sudden they can pass, some, and of course it's Republicans, uh, then the Republicans can pass something really quick. That is That was the script. And, um, and of course, nothing happened. The ABC sent, who works for the White House, ABC sent guys out and they were like, well, it wasn't all that bad except for weather delays and, you know, you can check yourself. It's just, yeah, there's, sure, there's delays in the New York metro area. It happens from time to time, but it's not like... It's always delays yeah, in the New York metro it's, area. It's not horrible. 
And uh, and here's ABC touting the end of the Armageddon, even though it never really took place. That other big story. What could be the end of airport Armageddon? So it, remember, it was airplane apocalypse. Then it went to airplane Armageddon. And now it's airport Armageddon. They got everything wrong about this. And all those delays. <laughs> action now, I think the scriptwriter was too busy working on uh, on the the correspondence dinner. Corners, jokes. Yeah. Anyway. No, let me finish this. ...happening on Capitol Hill to cut the furloughs of air traffic controllers that have caused flight delays coast to coast. coast to Josh, coast. you know, we say Washington is dysfunctional, but when members hear complaints and it's going to affect them, it's amazing how fast they can act. See, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> now, now, so of course... That's the, that's the meme. Well, okay, so that's the meme, and now we've got to wind it up. And I look, because this is the Senate Bill uh, S-853, and then a version of that passed the House, uh, which I have not seen, but... S-853, is it, literally it is called the Federal Aviation, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Reducing Flight Delays Act of 2013. And all it says is you can take that money you have there and you can use it. It's not being used. It's your money anyway, and, and you can use it for anything you want. I, I don't think that it, it was illegal for them to do this anyway, uh, but it, you know, but it made the, the president, gave him the ability to do this. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Our top priority as a nation must be growing the economy. Okay, that's our. <laughs> it's not. He didn't say it's his top priority, so I will not buzz him off. Uh, but it's close. Creating good jobs and rebuilding opportunity for the middle class. <laughs> Mac and cheese. But two months ago, Congress allowed a series of automatic budget cuts to fall across the federal government that would do the opposite. In Washington speak, these cuts were called the sequester. Oh. It was a bad idea then, and as the country saw this week, it's a bad idea now. And I think the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group thinks it was a bad name to start with. You never should have called it sequestration because people can't even pronounce it. That's why no one cares about it. It's a failed, failed initiative. Because of these reckless cuts, there are parents whose kids just got kicked out of Head Start programs who right now are scrambling for a solution. And by the way, this is, this is really bogative. You know, it's like, oh, the kids are getting kicked out of Head Start programs and everything's falling apart. I just, I'm not seeing it. There are seniors who depend on programs like Meals on Wheels, dependently, who are looking for help. There are military communities, families that have obviously already sacrificed enough, who are coping under new strains, all because of these cuts. This week, the sequester hurt travelers who are stuck for hours in airports and on planes and are rightly frustrated by it. No, see, I'm sorry. I just didn't see it. That's not true. There was an ABC reporter who was caught for hours and hours and even admitted that it was mainly weather delays. But this is not true. And maybe because they fly home each weekend, the members of Congress who insisted yeah. on these cuts yeah. finally realized that they actually apply to them, too. Oh, OK. Republicans claimed victory when the sequester first took effect. And now they've decided. And, and I'm a little tired of the Republican thing. Uh, it's okay. You can. They never claimed victory. No, and by uh, this bill, by <laughs> the way, they claimed victory. This bill is a. The Republicans don't want the military cut. <laughs> no, this is. How are they claiming victory? They want the military cut. The Republicans don't want that. They have all things they don't want. This bill is a complete bipartisan bill. It is uh, here. Uh, Senate C uh, Commerce Committee Chairman John J. Uh, Rockefeller the Fourth. Uh, who is a uh, uh, Democrat, John Thune, Republican, uh, Susan Collins, Republican, and Mark Udall, Democrat. So it's, a, it's completely bipartisan. That it was a bad idea all along. Well, 
first they should look at their own budget. Oh, if the cuts uh, they proposed were applied across the board. Okay, so now I just want to shuttle forward because he says something really funny. How are we doing, John? How do you think the economy is doing? How is the, how is the, how's the world doing in general? Well, yeah, how's America? How's, shadow stats. How's America doing? Yeah, you take a look. You look that up, and I'll play this piece. Causes further damage. A couple of weeks ago, I put forward a budget that replaces the next several years of these dumb cuts with smarter cuts. Dumb cuts. <laughs> I like that. Reforms our tax code to close wasteful special. I don't know if I missed it, but that was funny too. Interest loopholes, and invest in things like education, research, and manufacturing that will create new jobs right now. So I hope members of Congress will find the same sense of urgency and bipartisan cooperation to help the families still in the crosshairs of these cuts. Members of Congress may not feel the pain felt by kids kicked off a head start (laughs) or the 750,000 Americans projected to lose their jobs because of these cuts or the long-term unemployed who will be further hurt by them. But that pain is real. The American people worked too hard for too long rebuilding from one economic crisis just to see your elected officials keep causing more. Our economy is growing, and our deficits are shrinking. We're creating jobs on a consistent basis. Okay, can I just check that with you, John? Is our economy growing? No, actually, uh, well, it depends. If you look at government (laughs) stats, you might think it's growing, and the stock market is doing well for various reasons. (laughs) But is is our economy growing? No. Okay, are our deficits shrinking? I don't have the deficit data, but it seems unlikely... Are we creating jobs on a consistent basis? Well, here's the jobs thing that's interesting. It's been interesting ever since uh, the uh, disparity took place, and it looks like uh, probably mid-2009. That's when the government started rejiggering things, Mm -hmm. and that's when Shadow Stats has an interesting phenomenon that I've never seen before, and I've followed this site for years. And that is the the, uh, U3 unemployment uh, started to drop. Uh, in the second or third quarter, second quarter of 2009, it looks as. And then U6, which is another government number, has started to drop. And that's a kind of an old calculation. And that was way up to about 17% unemployment, which is a number they don't release anymore, but that's still calculated. Hmm. And it was, and it's closer to a, a true number, 17%. And Shadow Stats number, which is created during the, is the original way of determining unemployment, which means if you are gave up and you're about to shoot yourself and you're a bum in the street, you're unemployed. Uh, the government numbers say if you're a bum and you can't get a job and you're going to shoot yourself and you're out on the street, you're not unemployed. Let me ask you a question. Do we count as employed? Um, I have no idea. I don't think we do. If you if you you're probably not are unemployed, if you're not on a payroll, aren't you just part yeah, of, the, possible, of the gray mass? They have other ways of getting uh, independent of contractors. Uh, uh, v- v- Whatever the case, <laughs> the true number of unemployment. Uh, let's say we'll take the U six, which is dropping below fifteen percent down to about uh, f- let's say fourteen percent unemployment. The the phony number that the the government releases, which is seven seven and a half percent, is bogus. Bogative. Nobody cares. Bogative. But the shadow stats number is going. Still going up and is approaching twenty five percent. That sounds yeah. That sounds more like it. It's what it feels like. Yeah. Well, not here. Uh, Austin is not the same. Uh, Austin, Texas is a jump in place because they, uh, <laughs> is your governor. The mo. The that's mofo right. That, that's why everyone laughs at him. The audio's mofo. But I'll tell you, people seem pretty happy here. They have money to give away in the yeah. rain. In the rain, I tell you. So but nobody um, wants to talk about any of this. So they just no, want to. They no. want to we're at, our unemployment's going down. It's not going down. <laughs> but anyway, 
that is how the script works, and it didn't work. It didn't. It didn't get any play, uh, mainly because everyone was way too busy getting their dress for the uh, for the correspondence dinner. But also, I mean, everyone is still on the street in Boston. And if I, if I look, well, Fareed Zakaria is back in the studio, and of course, uh, who who was on this morning? Chertoff again. Chertoff. Well, he was on the Candy Show. But they got everyone still on the streets in Boston. They, they haven't been back to the studio. This is like they're still trying to milk this story for everything it's worth. Uh, meanwhile, we've got hundreds of people dying and collapsing buildings around the world. We've got drone strikes killing women and children. You know, we've got earthquakes. You know, but that oh no no, this is your number one story, and it's it's getting to the absurd. Although, well, luck, oh, luckily, yes, go ahead. Let's. I do want to get, get us back up to speed. I have one of the latest rundowns because ABC, who is the spokeshole for the government, yeah. uh, they have their latest version. Oh. Now, this, the thing that's interesting to me about this story is that, uh, and I think people should consider this, if you, if you watch police shows or if you listen to police or if you know police theory for read or if you're a criminologist, one of the things they always try to do with criminals is to get separate everybody and then get them to tell the story and then they can determine whether the story is is scripted because they all say the exact same thing or they contradict each other Mm -hmm. and all these sorts of things if we turn this idea around and look at the police the same way we see contradictions we see this we see scripts we see all the all the indicators of criminal activity (laughs) <laughs> uh, and here's so they keep changing the story. And here's the latest from ABC. Good morning, Robin. We're getting stunning new details that just came in. Tamerlan Zaniyev's mother said he called her during the firefight with police. Oh. He said, "Quote: They've started shooting at us. They're chasing us, Mama. I love you." Then the phone went dead, and now you'll see and hear how the intense standoff unfolded. We've got explosives being detonated. These are the dramatic moments heard on police scanners when Watertown authorities had the deadly confrontation with the most wanted men in America. Sources, let me ask you a question. Um, why are they? Did he did he mean to hit the bullhorn, but he hit the radio instead? <laughs> I have no idea. Seriously, what I mean, he's he's he he's, he's not just talking to command he's yelling at the guy like get down get down but it's on the police scanner this is very strange behavior it doesn't make any sense news the suspects battled police with at least five homemade bombs in the firefight three exploded including a pressure cooker bomb like the ones used in the assault on the boston marathon wait wait a minute so they're saying that that a pressure cooker bomb exploded during this firefight <laughs> Wait wow. a minute. Here's the better part. The cop comes on. I think they have the quote well, on here. Where he discusses. He says he thinks it was a pressure cooker bomb. Wait a minute. Wait, <laughs> let, let me get this straight. He <laughs> thinks they they don't know how to gather evidence. Yeah. It was a huge explosion, and that was the we believe that was the pressure cooker bomb that went off. Oh, please! This this video of this whole firefight. There was no huge explosion. Uh, there were some flash bangs. The Watertown police chief told ABC's wow. Martha Raditz... They brought the, the fight to us. ABC News has learned the older brother, Tamalon Zaniev, allegedly stood with the smoke swirling around him, refusing to retreat, firing away at police. 
were being killed in the exchange. Let's see, one down on Wall Street in custody. And, of course, the discrepancy here is that there's lots of eyewitnesses who are saying that the police ran over him and then shot him. I mean, there's, there's huge discrepancies in this story. Turns out that the Russian government was suspicious of Tamerlan back in 2011, oh, yeah. even though he had been living in the U.S. for years after coming here from that country as a child with his parents. Russian authorities feared Tamerlan was going to travel from the U.S. back to Russia to connect with Islamic radicals they had been fighting for years. <laughs> they asked the FBI to investigate. The FBI interviewed Tamerlan, who at that point appeared to be living the American dream. No, I'm just getting by. A gifted boxer who wanted to fight for America in the Olympics. But after looking into his phone records, websites he had visited, and associates, the FBI found no ties to terrorists. So what I'd like, and I would just really appreciate some transparency in this information. Could you please just just show, I mean, you're giving it to the press. Can you please show yeah, us it, these phone there's, records? There's even funnier stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's annoying. There's even funnier stuff, but there's a little bit that comes up right okay. after wait, where you cut it, which is perfect. You uh, stopped uh, it right I'll, I'll, so I'll, I can I'll, do a little I'll, intro. Yeah. Listen carefully to the next pile of crap they deliver. And associates, the FBI found no ties to terrorists. By law, FBI officials said monitoring had to stop barring new <laughs> negative information. The FBI was no longer watching. But after Tamerlan returned from a six-month trip to Russia, a dark side began to emerge. Ooh. He was charged in Cambridge with beating a former girlfriend. Started uploading violent videos urging jihad to his YouTube channel. And that's why they demonize as a terrorist. Authorities never saw this coming. Some investigators believe Tamerlan was the leader and convinced his younger brother to embrace jihad. I will point out that in the, those YouTube videos where it's claimed that it's him, uh, he's wearing a Muslim Brotherhood T-shirt. I just want to point that out. No one is mentioning that at all, that it's a Muslim Brotherhood T-shirt he has on. I got something even nuttier that I picked up. Well, from wait a minute. Let's stop. I want to analyze this little piece about the FBI. Oh, they have to stop? Yeah, they had yeah. to stop. Yeah. Well, yeah. they may have had to stop a wiretap, but they monitor people for decades. Who are we kidding? Us? This is not true, obviously. Whoever, no, it's not true. Whoever handed this report to Martha Raddatz, big star last night at the event, whoever handed that to her, it's just, it's bullcrap. It's made up. Here's CNN. This one slipped in. I'm not sure who approved this going on the air. All of that as we are learning more details about this investigation. In a shocking revelation, sources now say Jahar Sarnayev had no weapon when he was hiding in a boat. And a police officer injured during the operation appears an accidental victim of friendly fire. <laughs> who approved well, that? Could, wait, who let that slip <laughs> I, through? I don't know. They never. In fact, I, we, I think we called friendly fire on yes, that, yes, on that they, shooting. So you know, he, but he's like a, couple, like a week ago. But remember, he shot himself in the throat in an apparent suicide. But he did that without a gun. <laughs> so you know, it, okay. So okay. So the, obviously, there's tons of people and tons of you know all kinds of theories and things going on about who, what, why, how. This may, by the way, may be a test of really just throwing out all kinds of weird crap no. and seeing how no. it comes back into the public domain based on all these all these wannabe analysts. Well, well, one interesting thing that came back that I, I found fascinating is this, um, you know, the uncle who uh, came out and said, these boys are losers. 
Losers. So uh, he was married to uh, a high-ranking CIA official's daughter, Graham Fuller. He was married to Samantha Fuller uh, up until uh, I think uh, 2000 or something. And uh, you know, and it's undeniable that this Fuller is you know is was is linked to uh, Chechnya to operations there. And I think it's pretty well known that. Um, the United States, whether it's CIA or you know, or just call it the State Department, you know, we love that whole region. We've got Georgia. I mean, the, the airport in Tbilisi is called the George W. Bush Airport. You know, or it's, it's on George W. Bush Boulevards. It's it's obvious. You know, we love yeah, we have photos. We, we love this region. We own it, and that's for commerce. It's for the pipelines coming over the Caucasus. It's, you know, it's surrounding Russia with another little bit there. Uh, you'll remember when uh, uh, it was literally Georgia, our consultants, U.S. consultants, who started the aggression against the Russians. It's not in the history books that way unless you really go and read and there's admission that that's what happened. Right. We did this about three years ago mm-hmm. and then we went and found the websites. Yeah. And, and the design uh, designers and the where they're where they're hosted. And it was just bogus. And if you if you if you take a look at the map, if you you know if you have take a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of effort, and you take a look at where Chechnya is, and you look at where um, places like uh, Dagestan, etc., you can see that this is a very strategically important. Uh, uh, and these are important. The whole region is very important for Russia, for Gazprom, uh, for gas, but just just geographically, geopolitically speaking. It's very important to, to to own pieces of that, and so of course, for years we've been uh, stoking up Chechnyan rebels to you know cause havoc on the Russians. I mean, this is just what we do. It's what we do, and so so this uh, Fuller guy, whose daughter was married to the uncle. I mean, you can't just say you can't just overlook that. Say well, well, that's just a coincidence, you know. That has, I mean, that's, that has nothing to do with what's going on here. We've got to look into this connection with Chechnya. Yeah, why don't you start with the uncle who was married to a CIA high-ranking official's daughter, and who I think worked for USAID, which is the State Department, which is all—it's all basically funding for to to start bullcrap. So. There could be a larger thing going on. Yeah, there could be a larger thing going on with. Um, with Russia, etc. I'm not too sure about that because it still seems like there's just a lot of uh, a lot of mistakes and confusion, and you get these reports that are going out, and people are essentially lying. I mean, we still have the governor of the state who has not seen the video of these guys putting their backpacks down. This is like the Bin Laden photos. I mean, did it get put in the same draw? It's like, yeah, well, we can't show this to the public. Please, I, you know, we've seen the video. This is how television works. We've seen the video of these guys walking around, you know, with you know, com- in complete full view, not looking shady or hiding anything. And we're told that there's video of them dropping the backpacks and the explosion goes off, and they're not worried at all. They're just moseying around. But the governor has not even seen this video, and so I don't I, understand I, I, why we can't just see it. Just show me the video. Show yeah, me that I mean, video. Why, why can't we see the? I mean, exactly. You, the reason we can't see it is because there is no video. Exactly. This is bullcrap. But, but let me play a couple of clips. Good. One is the uh, this one here, which is this is just a short clip, which is just a this like this is like I guess some sort of proof that the one guy was was the bomber. This is the saw his face clip, okay. and just give this a little shot. Jeff Bauman, who while in the hospital with both of his legs blown off, oh, yeah. described Tamerlan's face. 
the only man who wasn't smiling beforehand. Everyone was having a great time. And just that one guy, you know, he didn't look like he was having a good time. No, man, Dwork, you better stay inside. Because if you're not looking like you got a good time, if you got your, your jollies on, you're in trouble. I, it's just like I've been to many events where I'm not having a good time. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me that everybody's happy-go-lucky at the Boston Marathon? You're not even How having a good... losers who actually hope to win the race? You're not even having a good time right now on this very show. Jeez, I, I thought that was really weird. Now, talking about somebody not seeing videos, here's the here, play this clip. This is the kid escapes the mad killers clip, and this is this reinvents the story about how the 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 kid got away. I didn't know he was Chinese for one thing, and how he escaped these crazy killers. But he's not there to tell us the story. It's somebody else. The carjacking victim who helped to prevent more bloodshed. Oh, yeah. And, and this is an, thank you for reminding me of this. These are the it's all these people who we heard about but have not seen interviewed yet. It's very, very interesting. Authorities say he might have prevented the alleged Boston bombers from targeting New York Times Square next. A young man from China, just 26 years old, who asked to be called simply Danny. The older brother reaches into the window, unlocks the door, gets in, points a silver handgun at Danny. He described the 90 terrifying minutes to the Boston Globe. Did Danny feel like he was going to die? He, th he thought that he was going to die. In that car, he listened as the two brothers talked to each other about girls, their iPhones, music. The whole time, fearing he would be next, Danny was trying to figure out how he could escape. The car they chose to carjack, low on gas. They pull into the gas station. The younger brother went in to pay. The older brother puts his gun down and begins working the GPS in the car. And that was the moment. I did it very fast, Danny said, using my left hand and right hand simultaneously to open the door, unfasten my seatbelt, jump out, and go. The victim said he ran at an angle, so when the brother grabbed his gun, it would be harder to shoot him. He hid in the closet in the gas station across the street and then called 911. Meantime tonight, another voice. The guy with the hat and the, and the glass, the right. aviators and the 5 o'clock shadow. Hey, so um, I'm looking at the Boston Globe, who I will remind everybody, at 1 o'clock tweeted the police are going to uh, have a controlled detonation across from the library, which is exactly the spot where the second bomb went off. Now, that's just been washed away, that whole, you know, like, whoa, that's interesting. They said that uh, two hours before it happened. Um, but to so the Boston Globe in their metro section, here's a uh, Globe reporter, Eric Moskowitz, describes his exclusive interview with Danny. Oh, what the hell? Uh, the man who survived an abduction by the marathon bomb suspects. Let's see if uh, we can play this. Oh, there's a little Boston Globe jingle. Let's see what's going on. Nobody can ever imagine this happening to them. And I think. By the way, this guy is 12. <laughs> Eric Moskovich is is he looks like Rand Paul, only twelve years old. Least of all, probably someone who's been in the country as an exchange student, gone back to China, and then just come back to start work. Just gotten this new car. I mean, it tells you a lot about Danny that he had pulled over the side of the road to respond to a text message. You know, he didn't do it while he was driving, and that's what precipitated this. He was stopped, and then he ends up getting carjacked, and they take him and the car and his money on this ninety-minute, you know, harrowing ordeal. Carjacking occurred at Richie Shell. This, this, why don't we see this guy? Why can't we see Danny? Isn't Danny a hero that he thwarted them from well, blowing up in Times Square? He's a Chinese spy. And he doesn't want to be on the air. Yeah, this is, okay. This is dubious. <sighs> dubious. Yes, at best. 
Um, and by the way, according to the other report, the ABC, by the way, most of my clips today are from ABC. It's the best. Uh, he ran across to the Shell station and hid in the closet. Oh, yeah? Is that what he did? That's what he said. Uh, you, hmm. you tell me where you can go running into a gas station, Chinese, you know, barely can't speak English. I, said, I got to hide. I got to hide in closet. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what why closet? Did they called the police on him. Yeah. Well, let's not get into logic here. What I would like to do is look at the uh, so the cause, whatever effect. This is interesting to me. How it's being used. Um, let's start off uh, once again with our friend, uh, Representative Congress douche Peter King. Um, and P- Peter King is on two committees. I think he's on the Homeland Security Committee, and is he on the Department of Defense Committee? I mean, he, he's an important guy when it comes to money that is going to be spent on uh, putting weapons of war into the hands of our police forces and Department of Homeland Security and creating the police state. And you, so you have to listen to the guy, and it's, it's just appalling. That's why intelligence is so important, to uh, be aggressive, to be out front. Be aggressive with the slaves. Be out front. Yeah, show them who's boss. That's why it's important if people, if they see something, say something. Oh, yeah, see something, say something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you see something, say something. Should be buying uh, our jingle. chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security. There you go. And? Which is the big one. Okay. For instance, merchants, if they're selling any uh, uh, components what uh, can be used for a bomb, everywhere from ball bearings to uh, uh, beauty products. That's right, beauty products. If you are selling beauty products and you don't trust that person... Uh, they can all be used to make bombs. They should notify the police. That's right. Hey, 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 hey. What are you doing buying that beauty product? I'm going to report you, citizen. I think the police, as Commissioner Kelly does in New York, are out in the communities monitoring what's happening. I know they've been criticized for it. That's how you can head off this type of, uh, uh, hopefully head off this type of attack. Uh, So I would say you'll probably see a a certain tightening of security, but the main thing is to get more intelligence, and that's what has to be done. Are you satisfied so far with first response and with what the federal government is doing? The FBI, obviously, is the lead agency. Yeah, I, I, I certainly on the Boston Police Department is an outstanding police department, FBI, Homeland Security, ATF, they're all working on this. President is leading it. No, this is, a, this is not a time for Democrat or Republican politics. I think the president is putting in place and putting in motion uh, the counterterrorism and anti-terrorism uh, units that we have in our country that have been developed over the last 11 and a half years. All right, what does that mean? What, what, the president is putting what in place? Anti-terrorism units that's been in development? I, I'm, I'm not familiar with any of this. And they're going to do an outstanding job. I have no doubt of that whatsoever. Yeah, by terrorizing citizens. And, Congressman, briefly, do you think that this will lead to more cameras? Uh, I know there's, it's controversial. There. Here's meme one. Need more cameras. Yeah, yeah. Privacy issues. Meme. Boston does have a lot of cameras. Europe, being uh, cities led by London, have the most. Uh, are Americans going to have to get used to more surveillance on a daily basis? I think we do, because I think privacy involves being in a private location. Being out in the street is not an expectation of privacy. Anyone can look at you, can see you, can watch what you're doing. A camera just makes it more sophisticated, but it's no different from you know, your neighbor looking out the window at you or a police officer looking at you walking down the street. So I think we do need more cameras. We have to stay ahead of the terrorists. And I do know in New York, the, uh, the uh, Low Manhattan Security Initiative, which is based on cameras, the outstanding work that results from that. So yes, I do favor more, more cameras. And uh, it's, they're a great law, de- uh, law enforcement uh, method and device. And 
And uh, again, it, it keeps us ahead of the terrorists who are constantly trying to kill us. And I hope oh, they're constantly uh, trying how to kill us. See, though, there's cameras all over Boston. I'm going to see the guy placing the bomb in the garbage That's can. That's because we, that, no, that we don't know, John. We don't have enough. You know we, why we don't have enough? Because we haven't. I'm going to tell you, everybody out there, all you people, all the businessmen out there who are thinking about doing an M&A, just ma imagine having a camera on you when you leave the office, get in the limo, follow you all the way to some other company that, that you're visiting <laughs> for some unknown reason so you can give these Congress people and the security people some heads up mm -hmm. on the M&A so they can invest <laughs> wisely. Very wisely. So, um... You know, this is leading to one thing and one thing only, and this is why they, they had to bring it around to New York City, which was, I mean, so you're telling me this kid who apparently, but didn't really, he shot himself with an imaginary gun in the throat. He can't talk, but he's writing down, yeah, we were planning on going to blow everything up in Times Square with our elbow pipe bombs, which we still had. Oh, wait a minute. No, I don't know. We blew some of those up. Uh, with the Mercedes that we carjacked, even though my older brother actually owned a Mercedes, but it doesn't matter. Uh, and we, were, but you know, we, then we ran out of gas, so we couldn't do it. Uh, no, this is not true, people. The only reason we're bringing this to New York <laughs> is Bloomberg is the guy who only two months ago said he sees no difference between a drone over New York, eye in the sky, versus cameras. That's why it's been brought to Bloomberg. Bloomberg is the guy who's going to take it from the cameras hanging around the streets to the drones. This he's, is he's the go-to guy. Th this and this is the plan. For, now, and I'm not saying it was set up for this, but that's what's going on right now. No, it wasn't. That's another indication of a criminal activity because the the event was scripted one way, goes another. And then they started ad libbing all this yes, stuff about the yes. about the you know they're trying to piece together a a narrative that makes some sense and they can't do it. Well, so there is no there is too many holes in the narrative. I mean, you yourself talk about why are we hearing about the kids video. running? Yeah. I mean, why don't we see the video? We see videos of everything else. Why why is there no videos with cameras all over Boston of them stuffing the bomb in the in the in the uh, exactly. garbage can? Exactly. There's just one. There's just way too much. There's too many loose ends. It's it's poorly scripted, but we don't know anything about this, and it's just. But it's obvious uh, that but, something's amiss. But that doesn't mean we can't have some more fun by playing some clips from. Uh, now, of course, we're in Boston, MIT's backyard. We've got uh, Sherry Turkle, who is, I guess, a professor of social studies or something. She's a sociologist. She's very famous. She's very famous. Yeah. She's an idiot. Okay. That could be. She's an idiot. But two experts are two guests, CNN's national security analyst, Peter Bergen. Also, I'm joined here in Boston. Listen to her mess up the script. The host is going to try and bring her back to the script. She gives up and just gives up and goes to the other guy. By MIT professor of social studies of science and technology, Sherry Turkle. Thank you both for being here. Sherry, let me begin with you. It is possible to be radicalized online. We've seen it happen before. But we also know that it is more rare, that, it, that often when we see radicalization, if that is the case among these two brothers, that it, that it, it, it often requires face-to-face -face contact. What is your assessment on, on how prevalent online, solely online radicalization is? Now, can we just stop here for a second? Now, it's it's obvious that the, here's how the pre-interview went. Uh, Ms. Turkle, uh, Professor Turkle, uh, yeah, we're going to tell you that uh, people can be radicalized just from the Internet, and you're going to agree with it. I mean, 
that's she just spent. Well, 30- actually, that's let me let's be a little more honest about how this actually works. Uh, the way it works, and because it happened to me just recently, as a matter of fact. Uh, they call you up for a, usually it's before the it's not like at the show because these are usually remote so they they call you up at home or someplace and they start they talk to you about what you can talk about and one of the things they'll do is they say well we got a guy who's going to say this sucks and we need somebody that that says it's great what do you think of it they never right. really tell you to say anything but they tell you they ask you in advance what do you think and you say. I think it's great, and they say, "Okay, well, we'll have your book. We'll be calling you at 11. Or you say, "No, you know what? I can't, I think it sucks too." Oh, okay. Oh, oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we might call you next time. <laughs> yeah, and then they just don't call you, and they they go to the next person to find somebody who's who's going to say, based on what they talked to him about uh, earlier, the producer calls, and you have this long conversation. And uh, and and then you actually sometimes end up writing the script. I've done this a few times because I'm on one side that they really like. And so they say, yeah, what else? And then you, you tell them all kinds of stuff. And then they steal it. They're usually the host steals yes, the material. Of course, of course. And they course. use it. And then they ask then, you, do you agree with this? Yeah, I agree with it because I wrote it. But you don't say that, of course, or you won't get re- rebooked. Now, uh, so, so there's a couple of things here that are kind of interesting. But play the rest of this clip. Well, I, I actually I wanted to kind of interject in there. Um, so the last time I was ever asked to be on a mainstream uh, television uh, appearance was 2009. Um, and you know what that was, don't you, John? Oh, this is the Michael Jackson thing? Yes. Uh, so I was... Yeah, you, you, you're you done. You've been blackballed. Do, should we, do you want to... Should we play that clip just so people... Yes, could... let's play Adam's clip. So... <laughs> Why I, do you think that's stupid, or do you th- no? I think it's great. Okay, so so I had the pre-interview and the the whole thing, and they wanted to ask me about Michael Jackson, and then I threw something in there. And this, by the way, let's do go back up a little more. This happened before anybody suspected foul play. Oh yeah, no this this was this was even before the funeral. You were just supposed to go. Oh, the poor guy was great. No, guys. no, yeah, I worked with him. He was awesome. He really broke through. Uh, you can hear the parts of the pre-interview coming through where you know uh, he was the first black artist to get real play on MTV. That was what the, this was supposed to be. The MTV guy talking about Michael Jackson, the Wizard of Videos, music videos, and the uh, and the man who broke through the racist policies of MTV. The crew, and exactly 12 seconds showed up on air. And I, I said some really good stuff. Well, me... And so then MSNBC sends me an email. Hey, uh, you know, would you like to be on? It's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do your show. If, if you give me the, uh, you know, the title is Adam Curry, you know, you can say XMTV VJ and just put in there presidentmevio.com. And uh, it was kind of funny because this was the day, I guess it was Thursday or Friday, when they announced the big tribute at the Nokia Theater at the Staples Arena, which they kept saying over and over and over again, as if these guys, you know, had benefited almost. I mean, I know that's the real name of the arenas, but, geez, it just comes, comes across kind of eerie. And uh, so they have a location shoot. They're outside this press conference, which was a total dud, by the way. You know, hey, here's the news. We're not going to tell you anything about the concert, nothing about the tribute, uh, but here's the mayor to tell you about how cool they are at controlling the crowds, and uh, and there's no more information. Enjoy your l- live shoot. So they're just trying to fill up time because they got these, these, you know, they got all the reporters out on the scene, and so I'm on for about five minutes. I'm going to play a little bit of the beginning, 
And then I'll play you uh, the real zinger I, I got in there at the end. I'll be able to see very much. So this is, this is uh, she's talking to the uh, Chris from MSNBC. is talking to the councilwoman and acting mayor of Los Angeles. For woman and acting mayor, Jan Perry, it's really nice of you to come over. I know it's been a, a busy number of days. Oh, you're so cool. Thank you. It's so hard. It's so horrible, all this work you're doing. Okay, so thanks so much. <laughs> well, it's, it helps to get the word out. Okay, yes. thanks so much. Thank you very much. And, and the word, by the way, is if you don't have one of the 17,000 tickets, don't show up. Michael Jackson and MTV could either have become an American institution without the other. The 1980s witnessed the birth of music television and the transformation of Michael Jackson from superstar to global sensation. Just two years after MTV's launch, Jackson released the 14-minute thriller video, and the music changed the world forever. 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 Yeah, listen to how I come in, because I'm prepared, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get... This is so meta, John. We're, we're coming. It's double meta. I wish you would just play the interview. Well, I, I, look, I just grabbed the thing offline. I mean, it's coming now. Here it comes. Get into it and really roll. Some say Jackson desegregated MTV and ushered in the era of elaborate and high-tech music videos. Joining us now via Skype is Adam Curry, former MTV VJ. Adam is also president Yay. of Nevio.com. <laughs> How cool is that? I have to tell you. Now, one of the things that strikes me is I've watched Thriller over the last several days. And this is so funny because I actually made reference to what she's saying, that, you know, I've watched Thriller. No one, they don't play Thriller. Have you seen Thriller in its entirety anywhere in the past two weeks, John? Anywhere? Have you seen the 14-minute video play? Who's going to play it? Of course not. Of course not. It is. You can't hear that music playing. You can't have that video playing without stopping what you're doing and watching Talk about the impact on Please talk about the impact. Popular culture <laughs> of that thriller video and even earlier Michael Jackson videos. Well, Chris, it was really tremendous, and unfortunately, there's hardly a channel that plays the video in its entirety anymore. It was about 14 See, that was my little zing at MTV. minutes long, which, of course, was completely groundbreaking for the format of music video. Now, listen to what I say. She talks about desegregation, but I just called. It was at the time. Uh, it did more. It combined conceptual um, footage with dance, with performance. Uh, it also made directors important all of a sudden. John Landis, very famous uh, film director, directed the thriller video. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Price, famous from uh, yes. uh, many movies with yes. his voice, was Very a part famous. of it. But it, it, Michael Jackson did much more at the time. He really put black faces on MTV. This was yes. groundbreaking at the time in the in the mid '80s. <laughs> MTV was kind of you know. All right, so enough of that. Now listen to the end where I sneak in a little bit of No Agenda to speak, which I was quite proud of. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and I so, wait a minute, she sets me up with this stupid question, because she's filling time, this question and like... By the, and by the way, we want all our listeners to do this when given the opportunity. What, to call in to MSNBC? No, no, to get in that little No Agenda speak. Oh, yeah, well, if you can, absolutely. Here it comes. We know I'm sorry, right now the coffee is being delivered. Hold on, I'll sign for you. What's your name? So the so the what you're going to say is that the uh, she asked a dumb question because obviously they're filling time, which they do a lot of on M or actually all these news stations with that that talk the uh, you know the news game. They 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 they're waiting for somebody to show up or they're or they're trying or they're waiting for somebody to say something to their ear. And so one of the things they're extremely adept at is what I'm doing now, which is just yes. You go, thank you very much, Chatter. Here we go. Let's listen to her stupid setup question. Oh, that these rehearsals were. Done. Oh, yeah, it's about. Uh, She's saying, oh, well, you know, there's so many uh, videos. Wait until it comes out on video. Yeah, and can you imagine if they release some complete videos? Uh, because we know that these rehearsals were done in high def. 
What? Oh, there's a clue right there, by the way. The rehearsals were done in high def, so of course there will be a video, you douche. That would mean in terms of just viewership to places like MTV. I mean, there seems to be an insatiable appetite for this. Yes, absolutely, and, and I'm amazed as you know, as you're showing the footage, and everyone seems to be showing the footage of these rehearsals just two days before his death. You know, here's a guy who clearly was in great physical shape. He had um, uh, a, a 30, 40 concerts coming up in the O2 Arena in London. Uh, that's a huge production. You have to be preparing yourself a year in advance, at least physically. You can't put on a show like that without an enormous insurance coverage, which includes a tremendous amount of physical testing. So I'm amazed at what happened, and I know that there's breaking news about some form of uh, medicinal drugs that were found in his home. I'm Quite frankly, I'm amazed that no one is looking at a murder angle on this. <laughs> and at this point, there's smoke coming out of her ear. She's like, oh, 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 oh. And you can just hear the producer going, get that guy off the air. All right. And so they never called again. They hung up on me, literally. Yeah, well, they should have. And boy, you know, we were interrupting clips too yeah, much. Yeah, too much. I agree. Too much. Jeez, that took forever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was excited about that. No, no. They, I remember the show. We, we, clip interruption was kind of a high priority. We, we I, backed I, off yeah, on it. I apologize. I apologize. But the but the, you apologize for what? For the, the show in two thousand nine. Yeah. I apologize for that. Yeah, I apologize for having to drag you through that again. Uh, anyway, so we did all that to interrupt this clip, and here is Miss Turkle, who you say is very famous, and she's, yes. go she's going to read the script. I think it's becoming more prevalent because in this new age, the Internet serves as a community. People find their community and their places of um, contact and comfort on the Internet. And so I think that you're going to be able to see the Internet is a place where people do become radicalized. Where so you can see hours and hours of, of... Hours and hours. That's where people go to find their home. You know, so This is what I found interesting. So she, so the woman clearly, Turkle, gives a horrible response. She's like, yeah, well, I think that you know, it's where people find their comfort and their community. And this is not what they want to hear. Because in the script it said there was something like you're watching hours and hours of video, you're getting indoctrinated. That's why the CNN host says hours and hours, and she says, oh, yeah, hours and hours. They don't even say hours and hours of what? Well, there's another aspect to this that you have to consider. How When before or had Turkle's been around forever, when have you seen her before? Never. I'd, I've never seen her before ever. you never heard of her? No. Well, now you know why. <laughs> and then she goes, um, and this was... There's a short clip to our other expert. This is the CNN, I guess, the uh, terrorism expert, which I think is another Brit. And I'm sick and tired of uh, of the Brits all over our news. It does not make me believe the news anymore or any less. But this seems to be I, apparently, you know, it's like if it's a Brit, then the news is more serious sounding or something. It's very strange. This is a thing that's gone in and out of vogue for years. OK, well, it's back again. And and he's essentially admitting that uh, Inspire magazine is a honeypot for the CIA. You know, Peter, I, I want to talk huh? to you about uh, what what uh, is on this online magazine Inspire, and also there's you know been questions about how it's so widely circulated, not shut down, how closely it's monitored by U.S. authorities. What can you tell us about that? What do we know about that? 
Well, you know, shutting these things down uh, is not particularly easy because they, ah! you just shut it down. And <laughs> you know what I love so much about this? <laughs> they were shutting guys down left and right. <laughs> but also, it's not an online magazine. It's a PDF. It's just a PDF that people, you know, you shut can down the server. Yeah, you, you could do it. You could do a million things. But yeah, no, it's not. But but it's not that we don't. It's not. You know, it's hard to shut it down. But we wouldn't want to. You see, and then it pops up somewhere else in some other jihadi forum. Right. Um, you right. know, eighty percent right. of the internet traffic in in the world goes through the United States. Wow, is that true? Yeah, it goes through those uh, those four exchange points. Yeah. Okay. So you know, technically, it would be possible to shut down a lot of these sites, but. There's, you know, for law enforcement, there's also uh, a value in having these sites up. Who's visiting them? Oh. Uh, so there's a, you know, been a, there's a kind of tension between information gathering because you can monitor these jihadi forums, uh, and also, uh, you know, the fact that they are clearly sometimes inspiring people. Well, and he even uses the inspire word, inspiring people. And then uh, my final one here is just Aaron Burnett. Who uh, who just wraps it all up in a nice little bundle because Twitter equals terror. Terrorists and Twitter. Now, we all know the online forum is a place where you can follow the musings of anybody in 140 characters or less. And there are some, frankly, disgusting and awful people on Twitter. Yeah, that the real Dvorak. There's all kinds of really disgusting people on Twitter. Disgusting. I'm telling you, disgusting people. The terror groups are increasingly using it. And the question now is oh. whether Twitter is helping self-radicalized people like the suspected Boston bombers. This, the self-radicalizing thing is just killing me. It's a crucial question, and Dan Revers has an out-front investigation tonight. Another Brit, probably. Away from the physical battlefield, terrorists are creating a virtual one on Twitter. Nah, I'm done with this. This is too stupid. But you get the point. It says it's self-radicalization. You know, it can be used at this point, but you know, the real money is going to Homeland Security, putting weapons of war into the hands of our police forces. You know, drones overhead flying with Gorgon Stare, so they can, which is all it's outdated by now. Gorgon Stare. But if you haven't seen it, we've been talking about this for years. I mean, it's high, high, high resolution stuff. Um, you know, it's just it's just like police state, Skynet, whatever you want to call it. It's all you know, fiction becomes reality. It's just it's happening. It's just get a grip, get a hold. It's happening. Good luck with that. A couple of interesting stories, kind of. Again, yeah. Good luck with all of it. Yeah. You know, I've decided that the, you know different. People kind of have versions of the script, or they have their their contacts who they don't know they're be, being fed a script, and they are. But I guess the New York Post uh, is uh, is <laughs> play this. This is the poor guy who was accused of being the bag man, and it seems to me that the, the and they, this is a long story about this guy. I'm only have a little bit about it, but the big question is never asked. Seems to me to be the question that comes to mind. They're going to talk about who they're looking for and uh, and exactly oh, is where this the this New York Post off script. Yeah. Oh, okay. Play it. Okay, I'll back it up. I have no idea what's wrong with it, but happens. They're going to talk about who they're looking for and uh, and exactly where this investigation stands. And we're going to hold that, carry that news conference live, so nobody else is going to miss a single development in this case. Janet Napolitano was talking today about all the various mistakes that have been made in reporting this story. Well, imagine being a 17-year-old high school student and seeing your picture on the cover of the New York Post described as a bag man in an article about the marathon bombing. Salah Baroon did... He saw the picture circled in red. It was also all over social media yesterday. But guess what? 
He didn't do it. Now the police have cleared his name, which, by the way, didn't make his day any easier. Everywhere I go, just... Like, I just don't want to look at people. Because when they look at me, they're going to be like, oh, you just did this. How could you do that? Why would you even do that? <laughs> yeah. Now, which is the little, that little clip at the end, by the way, is a, is a evergreen if you think about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Nobody ever asks if he's going to sue the paper. Oh, no. Lie, no, no, you can't do that. No, no, no. Big time. No, this is America. You can turn that around into a reality show. You can not. That's the advice the other, he's getting. The last clip I want to play, which is the railroading clip, is uh, I was I listened to this clip, and one of the things, uh, you know, we get, I think we've done a better job of this over the years and time, is you start to, you you get the the bigger picture from the clip, uh, you first you say this clip is this is terrible what they're doing to this woman. This is how they're they're they take the wife of of Tamerlane, who's smoking hot by the way. She's very pretty, and they discuss what problems she might have in a legal sense. And when I first heard the clip, I said this is douchey. All we have is ABC. This is ABC again, a, which makes more sense when you think about the the, the interpretation of this clip. Mm. ABC. Um, is going on what bad things can happen to her if she doesn't play ball. And I realize that this is actually a warning shot over the over the bow to the, to this woman specifically to to not on not play ball the way they're talking about, but play ball the way the script says. Ah, all right. And if you listen to this, this is the worst, this is the most threatening disgusting report I've heard on ABC for a long time. They they run this woman as though she's a criminal. Now listen to this and think about how terrible it is they, they're doing this. Meanwhile, her lawyer told the Associated Press that she never suspected anything and that in fact she learned that he was a suspect by seeing it on TV. Robin? All right, Gio, thank you. For more, we're going to bring back our GMA legal analyst, Dan Abrams. What we know now about Catherine Russell is that she is not in custody. So what does that tell you how authorities view her? Uh, nothing yet, uh, because let's even assume for a moment we don't know this to be true. Let's assume for a moment that the authorities are suspicious of her. They want to gather as much information as they can first. If they take her into custody, they then immediately have to read to her Miranda rights. She becomes an official suspect. These kinds of rights kick in. No need to do that right now. They want to gather as much information as they can at this point before making any decisions. And there's been no evidence that she knew anything about the bombings. If she did, what does she face? Well, look, knowledge alone typically wouldn't be a serious crime. In this case, the authorities would figure out a way, um, either an accessory, aiding and abetting. At the very least, it is still a federal crime if you know about a felony. It's a crime that is almost never used. But they could charge her for actively concealing the crime if she knew about it, had nothing to do with it, wasn't involved in it, but concealed it. They could charge her with that crime only faces up to three years in prison for something like that. Though. What about spousal privilege, even though her husband is dead? Uh, she could still say, um, I'm not going to disclose confidential conversations that my husband and I had while he was alive. And she's allowed to say that. And she's allowed to not testify about those. But I can assure you that if she says, you know what, I'm going to invoke spousal privilege here. The next thing the authorities are going to say is, okay, no problem. Here are the list of crimes that we're considering charging you with. Aiding and abetting, accessory. They will then add a long series of crimes which could be very, very serious. Some of them as serious as the crimes he's facing. I think that 
these authorities are going to play uh, sort of no-nonsense uh, with her if, if they get that kind of response. Absolutely. All right, Dan. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, guys, yeah, absolutely. That's great. Okay, guys, great analysis. That is disgusting. That wasn't that. Dis- that was one of the most disgusting things I've heard on the media for probably the last two or three years. And and it was a threat. <laughs> oh yeah. It was. It was onerous. It was. It was impl. impl- it, there were implications. It was a disgusting report. ABC should be ashamed of, them, of themselves for even running anything like that. And when you think about it, she's an innocent. <clears throat> she's innocent until proven guilty. They just made her a guilty person oh, yeah. on the show. But they could easily say. And I would really appreciate it if they did, if they said, you know, there's this podcast called The No Agenda Show. And uh, these guys, they predicted that something was going to happen. So they they could be accomplices. They could be, no, you know, they had knowledge. and they. What if they knew something in advance, a fed- Bill? Yes, a federal. Well, there could be all kinds of Federal crime. Yeah, that's right. If they, they dare <laughs> just to, to, to say that they're married, <laughs> if they dare try pulling that stunt. Oh, no. Married stunt. Oh, no. She's in for big trouble. Oh, oh man. Right. And anyway, that message to her is this. I like, hear they play this and say, look, everyone's in on this. You, you, you go along. You better go play. along. You do what yeah. we tell you to do, yeah. and we're and everybody's yeah, exactly. happy. So whatever we get from her is going to be meaningless. And they didn't use her Muslim name, uh, uh, interestingly enough, hmm. which she supposedly has now. What is your Muslim name? I have no Muslim oh. name. <laughs> X. X. Hey, let's lighten the mood here a little bit. Adam's going to read his email. Adam's gonna read his email. Adam's gonna read his email on the No Agenda show. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we never got uh, the name of the school from the bullying email. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, we did? Okay, well, you look that up and I'll read the email. Actually, I have a printout. Okay. I'll, I shall read the email. We're not not reading his name because he asked specifically. Yeah, actually, we're not going we, we, I, I, I to. I, he, I, he asked me if I was going to say the name of the school. I'm going to look into this a little more before I discuss the Before you discuss the school? Discuss the school? Okay. But I do have the school's name and everything. Okay. So I got most of that. Hello, Adam and John. This was actually not just Adam's email. Uh, it's Adam and John's email. I'm 16, and we had asked, we had solicited this type of uh, communication. Right, we like to have more, by the way. Especially 16-year-olds who listen to this program. This is a very, very good trend. We have one. Hello, yeah. Adam and John. This is a whole gap. We have like two-year-olds who love who love our see something, say something jingles and MILF. It's very disturbing. Uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of nothing. So 16 is kind of the sweet spot. Hello, Adam and John. I'm 16, and at my school we have a day of silence for victims of bullying. We are asked to sign a contract to be silent for a whole day. We also have random drug testing every month, and up until the la- up until last every three months, while class was going on, we would have an order over the school intercom, also known as the big vo- the giant voice system training, to take our book bags and put them in front of our lockers. When we arrived back at class, we were told by our principal over the intercom to go into a lockdown drill. While we are hiding in the corner of our classrooms, our bags are being searched and sniffed by drug dogs. This is this is mind-boggling to me that this is happening in America. This level of slave training is just beyond me. Well, 
there's another. Th- I'm going to combine that. Do you have any more email you want to read? Yeah, I got a couple emails. Oh, okay, we'll yeah. finish that. But I want. Well, actually, before you do it, let me let me interrupt with and and add a little to what this guy said by playing this clip uh-huh. because then then I have a little bit of analysis after you play the bulletproof backpacks clip. Okie dokie. Well, since the Sandy Hook tragedy, keeping children safe from gun violence is top of mind for many communities. It's certainly understandable, but now there is a controversial new option for parents to consider bulletproof backpacks for their kids. Here's Seven on Your Side's Michael Finney with more on this. This is yeah. really happening. Ugh, yeah, binders, pencils, and rulers are on most back-to-school shopping lists. Now some parents are adding bulletproof backpacks. But is pint-sized armor going too far? This is an ordinary school day for Dimitrik Boykin and his four-year-old daughter, Jalea. So this is Superwoman's cape. Ordinary, except for this brand-new backpack, which is what bulletproof. Despite the girly pink fabric and pretty patterns adorning it, this backpack offers military-grade protection against bullets. It costs about $300 and is made in Colombia. So if they were to come in your classroom with any guns, you put this on, and this would stop the bullets. The Boykins live in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, yeah, I remember this, a big thing uh, when that okay, all happened. Okay, so, so we got the kid with the lockdown drills and all the rest of yep. it, the 16-year-old in the high school, and then we have terrorizing this little girl who's actually kind of... Uh, blase about it uh this is very much to me i think an extension and i think it's been going on in different forms but they they i think they're revisiting the 50s where they terrorized the kids with duck and cover duck and cover and a bomb air raids and they had the sirens going off and the siren still goes off every friday in san francisco the air raid siren yeah uh giant voice system and the giant voice system and all this is and the giant voice system i think is part of the same argument that they're Putting the kids, the, the students especially, into a state of terror. Yes. The same way they did to because it's a great control mechanism. Although I think, you know, the results of the 50s uh, uh, duck and cover stuff turned out to be the 60s, which was the, you know, the, the protests and the anti-war and all the rest. So they may be, you know, they may be barking up the wrong tree with this, this, this technique. Well. Because I think at some point people get... They see through it. But whatever the case is, this is a disgusting trend. And this kid in this high school, the 60, our 16-year-old contact, it, it, it's ridiculous. And the fact that this isn't being discussed more is beyond me. Well, this brings me to uh, the very, a very nice segue. Upon your, based upon your recommendation, and um, th- you only have to say it to me once, I read Michael Crichton's State of Fear. And um, the ebook of State of Fear, I, I purchased it on Kindle. Uh, has three uh, transcripts of three of his speeches that he did at uh, various universities. And uh, these are so good, these speeches, uh, and where he literally refers to um, the duck and cover because he was a child of the duck and cover era, um, or so he states. He was. Yeah. And uh, so he, he, and he talks about the nuclear winter that was supposed to kill us and, you know, the fires... Uh, remember the fires of uh, of Kuwait and uh, Iraq in the early nineties? Oh, right. And that's that was... when Carl Sagan, our great Carl Sagan, the great scientist. Yes, said, it's going to create a nuclear winter because the smoke. And, yeah. and, and I remember watching this on television as yep. Sagan went on with this bull crap. Yep. You know, the great Sagan. Yep. And, and he's supposedly a physicist, I guess, on top of his astronomy, 
Whatever the case was, he's holy, John. He's holy. You cannot go. Holy, holy, holy. You cannot go anywhere. Like you cannot go on this week in tech and say the guy was full of crap. You can't do that. You get banned. Yeah, Yeah, you get a bunch of flack. Yeah, (laughs) which is the way this works. Yeah, and then then Crichton discusses this. So So, uh, let me finish this thing. So anyway, I watched this, and then they one of the news outlets brought on some real physicist with a computer model. And the guy comes out and says, this is total bull crap. There's no way under any circumstances that that smoke can get to this level by anybody's calculations. He's obviously doesn't know what he's talking about. And did this guy get scolded as a, as an, an idiot, a denier, a pseudoscientist? Nope. Okay. Nothing so this book is so good and it goes right into and I'm just going to spoil some of it for you right away just because it is you have when well, no, you don't have to read the book um in fact uh, when we have our little uh, two show vacation we're not actually going to go on vacation we are going to have some stuff for you I'm going to do at least one reading of one of these Michael Crichton uh, speeches because it is so powerful and so good and you, can, and you Michael Crichton was a is a hero to many many science science nerds which of course is why they hated him so much when he came out with this book. And the book is great because it has all the statistics and all of the graphs and all the charts that he refers to in this fictional story are the actual charts and is the actual data. He has footnotes to everything. you know. So it, it really is the true facts of the global uh, warming slash climate change hoax, which is, I mean, so this whole story even has these nut jobs exploding pieces of iceberg to get it to drop off at the moment of a an abrupt climate change conference. I mean, it's so beautifully done. No wonder they had to kill him in 2008. I mean, it's so <laughs> and obvious. Did. And they did. And and this is so good. I am th- we so we have and I need to talk to you about this after the show. Um we have a dinner party here. So it's the brain scientist and his lovely uh wife and it's uh, Lori Frick the uh, uh, the transhumanist, <laughs> the transhumanist artist, uh, and her husband Mark, and he's a accountant, but he's like a cool accountant, rock and roll accountant. And I have to cook, so I'm going to need some help with you know with that because now I'm cooking for six people and I'm very no, worried. No, it's no big deal. Okay, um, but I'm thinking during dinner I'm going to do a reading from the book. <laughs> Because you know that these are all like Obama bots. This is perfect. I'm like, oh, I just like to do a little reading from Michael Crichton. You've heard of Michael Crichton? Did you enjoy Jurassic Park? Did you like that? Yeah, it was great. Let You're me re- see arms folded. It's <laughs> my prediction. With the red book, arms will be folded. And- <laughs> I'm like, I-, I mentioned this to Ms. Mickey, and she's like, "No, please, no, don't, don't do that." Because I like these. They are very kind. I like them a lot. But it's just like, uh, I, I think smoke will come out of their uh, orifices. Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, you'll help me with uh, with cooking for six people because I'm so yeah, worried yeah, about not... this. I'm very worried. All right. Two more quick emails. Um, dear Adam, I just finished listening to the last uh, episode of No Agenda. I really liked your analysis overall, but I think you missed the most important point on the Forget Your Password initiative. The reason why the government is pushing it is they have all your biometrical information. Of course, you know, I think we know that. When you get a new passport, for example, they say they have biometrical picture and your fingerprints, at least here in Germany. This is uh, from John Jacob from one of our German uh, uh, supporters. But here's the part that I wanted to read. Um, I came up with a new way to save money to donate to No Agenda. He says, and everybody can do it. There is no excuse. Donate blood. 
you, you can only do it every two months, but they give you 25 euros here in Germany. I know it's not much, but hey, it's all I can do. And I think this is an outstanding idea. Give blood to no agenda. I think you should. I think you should be donating blood and plasma. <laughs> I like that idea so much. And uh, and then uh, this is X Impulse in the chat room. He's very upset about the, a donation we keep getting from uh, Jeremy Falk. Remember Jeremy Falk? That he's the guy that uh, he. I guess he works for Robert Gao. And the, he has the you know the hacienda there, and so, you know like the oh right 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 he's got the, the hacienda he's got the place we can go visit yeah and so uh, the ex impulse uh, in, in the chat room was saying dude you know, this guy is one hundred percent evil he says you can't be accepting donation from him in fact he says and this is why this is why I want to read this. Uh, sorry, Adam, but Gao, Robert Gao, he, Robert Gao used to run Zapata, which was George W. Bush's fake oil company. So that's how, you know, this somehow this, you know, this Falk works for him and therefore his his money's no good. He's, uh, so X Impulse says, I know it's a donation, but would you accept a donation from, let's say, the Koch brothers or Michael Eisner or David Petraeus? So let yeah. me answer that. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yes. Are you kidding me? Nuts. <laughs> hey, go off and be your own idealist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're, we're listener supported. If the Koch brothers want to give us money, we'll take it. Yeah. Like, it's not going to change our coverage. No, it's not going to change our point of view or anything like that. This is that's total. That's crazy it's talk. Keep us on the air longer. It's crazy so what's talk. Wrong with that. Yeah, and and you know, and I'm like, I'm disappointed that uh, Falk, Jeremy Falk, hasn't told us. You know, hasn't. You know, send me an email and said, hey, here's here's what's going on. I'm, to me, we have people in military, in FBI, CIA, CDC, NSA. I mean, I have here two two challenge coins from the NSA 60th anniversary, John, that, re- that came in the mail. No, two. Oh, got two. Okay. From Anonymous from Maryland. I have a you couple know. of cool ones. You know, and this is, the, so we have people working at the drone program. We have people working everywhere in... In, in horrible places, and the reason why they donate is so that they can, first of all, feel, I think, I'm, I'm just guessing, they feel better about themselves knowing that there are people out there who understand and, yeah, uh, and commiserate, and, and, the, the, and, and it feels good for them to help, uh, to help us let people know what's really going on. And by the way, they're talking about the coins. I never realized there's a, there's a uh, verb in here. Uh, on the coin? Yeah, let, let me read you from an Air Force Reserve Command uh, website. Uh, and this was the topic I was thinking of trying to bring in at some point, which is the reserve bomber crew that participates in the first nuclear exercise. You know about the 307 bomb wing? Yeah. Yeah, they're practicing some sort of exercise to drop a nuke. And this is the first time, I guess, the national it's like a – it's a uh, – this group, I guess the reservists, the first 3343 bomb squadron participating in a nu- uh, nuclear exercise after becoming the first Air Force Reserve Squadron to receive that certification, hmm. which tells you something. Something's up. But whatever the case is, the picture is captioned, Air Force Colonel Jonathan Ellis, 307 Bomb Wing Commander, coins Oh, air crew prior to their leaving <laughs> oh. Marksdale Air Force Base. Oh. And I believe that most people who read this would say, what does that mean, coins? <laughs> well, we know. 
apparently gave them all a coin, coin. to commemorate yeah. this uh, event. I'm looking at these uh, at these challenge coins, and there's four diamonds in it. Real diamonds? Um, it could be I mean, di- not real diamonds. Obviously, could be diamondique. They're they're little stones. Yeah. Like if, if you Google something. NSA challenge coin, you can. It's the sixty years of excellence coin. You see. Uh, it's also available on eBay. <laughs> uh, yeah, defending our nation is in between two little diamondiques and securing the future. It's very pretty. NSA commemorative coin, eBay. Yeah, there it is. You see it? You see the little Sold stone? Sold for 15 bucks. Ah, <laughs> uh, there it is. All right. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Shut up. In the morning. You do have some people to thank. Uh, besides the NSA, Steve Bottoms in Reno, Nevada, one twenty one nineteen Sunday supporter checking in uh, with a combination sixty nine sixty nine fifty one fifty. Oh, okay, right. that's an, uh, I did, didn't, was not expecting that. Eric uh, Herschel, I think, in Berlin, one hundred and two. Uh, Heather Aronson, Dame Heather, actually in San Francisco, over here in San Francisco, one hundred. Um, she said she's. Wait, she's accounting on her last donation to verify damehood. I thought you redeemed her already. Um, we'll deal with that before yeah. the Thursday show when we have more time here, Heather. If you haven't been, I thought we'll have to look it up. Greg Steerly in Los Angeles, California, 9135, with a picture of a squirrel. Yay. Eric Henry in Lakeland, Florida, 8888. Yes, I know what I want to read. Yep. Guardians of Reality, please pour forth from your overflowing cup. Uh, he'd like to get a jobs karma with the Pelosi clip for his wife, Krista. She's got an interview coming up, Value for Value. When she gets the job, he'll double the donation and welcome all the knights around Orlando for the, some tuna a la king. Ooh. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. You thought. Karma. You are such a... all listeners to go back and listen to 268 and 269. Grebulon. <laughs> I kind of enjoy saying. Yeah. Grebulon in Tel Aviv, 6970. Uh, he says uh, he'd like to celebrate his birthday. Do we have him on the list? Yes, I, uh, I believe we do. Yeah. It's 6970, so we don't have yeah. quite the... It's right. very close to knighthood. would be glad if you can plug my little professor app for Android. So okay. check that out. Uh, be, uh, the Duke, Grand Duke, von Pel, uh, Ver, uh, Stephen Pelsmacher. 69! 69, dudes! And he actually wants some specific karma, and anytime he asks for it, we must yeah, deliver. Of course. What does he want? Just swallow. Oh, he needs actual swallow. Oh, yeah. This is the post-divorce. Uh, please, <laughs> the, the, the post-divorce. Please Duke. get me laid, karma. <laughs> yes. Duchess. Yeah. You've got karma. I wish the rain stick was. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, that our swaznov karma was effective as the rain stick. I mean, that thing yeah, works well, like a. Yeah. John Noonan, Bettendorf, Iowa, sixty-nine, sixty-nine. Uh, he has a. Uh, uh, he wants to de-douching because he got douched by his fiance Amy. Oh, that's no good. Hold on. You've been de-douched. John Noonan again in Bettendorf. 
Uh, she came in twice, I guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's possible. Michael Callahan, Michael D. Callahan in St. Anthony, Minnesota, nuts. 6969. That that's it. 6969. Wow. Barely made it. Very close call. It was a close. Well, it wasn't as bad as the one. Yeah. Chris Ball in Chicago, Illinois, 5555. Von Glitschka in Salem, Oregon. Salem, don't inhale him. 55. Uh, your show is defined by information and the listeners who leverage that information. Example, I dropped some knowledge on a few friends that was derived from the No Agenda show, and they replied, I never heard of that. To which I responded, and you never will unless you listen to the No Agenda Show. Yeah. And he came up with a slogan, stop hearing and start listening to the No Agenda Show. Okay. Uh, Paul Lyon in Slidell, Louisiana, 5333. He needs a de- de- another de-douching. Okay. <laughs> You've been de-douched. Oh, it was called out. Uh, uh, the, bear, or the Grand Duke is uh, back with 5070. A smaller show title donation. His expenses are currently high. Buying new furniture, he's getting a new castle. <laughs> and after being overtaken on a Belgian highway by a Range Rover with Texas plates, <laughs> I knew that karma was telling. He me. sent me an email. He, said he could not believe it that a, a Range Rover blew by him on the on the on the highway in the the protectorate of Belgium, and it had Texas plates on. It. <laughs> Well, that's probably your old Range Rover. No, what happened to it? You don't have it anymore, right? I do. It's, uh, I, I contacted a group who were supposed to pick it up and give me the tax write-off. It's sitting here. The tires are slowly deflating. It still has the big lemon on the side of it. It's it's underneath <laughs> the oak. I should take a picture of this thing. It's really sad. It's under the oak tree. So oh, that's it's terrible. It's that's just filled bad. with goop. Brandon Archambault. Bolt. 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 In Bismarck, North Dakota, 50. Uh, ben Dover, please. <laughs> really? And it comes as his PayPal name. Oh, that's possible. Ben Dover. Okay. <laughs> 50. <laughs> Peter, Sir Peter Totes, 50 bucks. Joachim uh, Terhar in Den in The Hog. Den Haag, yes. Uh, 50. And Shad, Shad Rich in Seattle, Washington. And also Kevin Ayers in, well, no, Kevin's not in. Uh, Chad Frisch is the last guy. Thanks anyway, though. No. Okay. Right. So, uh, we have, uh, that was our contributors, producers for show 45068. <laughs> so so now now let me just give an example of why it's great that we're a listener-supported show. And we really need a little more help for Thursday. Sundays are traditionally always down. It's a little bit more than most. Luckily, we you know we see people like the Bear. It's, it's, usually, it's always the Knights and the... It's the periods that shows up, but you know, new people. If you're you've know, been listening for a while, consider supporting the program. Consider getting on a monthly. Uh, it really does help us out, and I'll tell you why. Here's what happens when you have a commercial news uh, program. Now we saw on uh, the compromised ABC on Thursday. We talked about their Taco Bell, um, just blatant advertisement for Taco Bell where they interviewed what the the CEO about how awesome their campaign is and you know we've seen CNN doing how stories great their new products are and kids yeah. are screaming yeah oh yeah oh we love the Taco Bells and yeah, I remember CNN they had you know the whole morning segment wow it's you know Taco Bell is going healthy I mean wow this is so newsworthy so Rock Center with Brian Williams Rock Center with Brian Williams had a 1 minute piece 
with Chelsea Clinton interviewing the Geico Gecko uh, on the news. You're kidding. Here me. it is. Hi, Gecko. Thanks so much for answering our questions. Oh, thank you, Chelsea. Look, sorry I couldn't be there in person, but I'm out on the road promoting my new book, You're Only Human. <laughs> Shameless plug there. I completely understand. Now, Gecko, do people recognize you on the street? Actually, Chelsea, I mean, people don't usually notice me on the street because I'm only 6.9 inches tall. I spend most of my time just trying not to get stepped on. But I do get better tables at restaurants than I used to. Is there a downside to all this fame? Well, it seems the more famous you are, the more likely someone is to dig up your old yearbook photos. And look what we dug up. Oh, oh you're showing this, aren't you? Seriously, Chelsea, I thought we were friends. Oh, no, I'm going to remember this. I just couldn't resist. Well, it's been great talking with you, and I wish you the best of luck on your book tour. Oh, thank you, Chelsea. No, it's been great chatting with you. Cheers. Is that disgusting or what? All right, well, you have to assume that it was a paid advertisement. You think? One minute paid advertisement, which means Chelsea Clinton's already corrupt. Um, but it wasn't presented as such. It was presented as, 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 as I don't know, you can't call it editorial, but it was presented as content. I think this is going to, because of the nature of what's happening to the media and the DVR with the DVRs and the and the on demand and the Netflix and all the rest. I think this is all we're gonna see. I think they're just experimenting right now. I think the Taco Bell thing was the which was eight minutes <laughs> was the most disgusting we've ever seen. Uh, that had to be paid for. Although I think this, it's still this make was, good based yeah. on the other thing. But but it, it's one it's an inch away from just being here's his check, dude give us a piece. So so all these places are essentially corrupt already which we've been proven week after week for i don't know years but that's terrible so you know well we could be doing that though did, did how did brian come out of that no i don't have that i don't have i think it went straight into commercial probably a geico, <laughs> geico commercial, commercial <laughs> by the way i i want to i want to say uh in the morning to joachim terhar because uh, Miss Mickey just uh, uh, sent me a text. You know, he donated $50. $50. So he's uh, like family. <laughs> just wanted to say in the morning to him. Your family isn't donating, is it? They're donating their time and effort. <laughs> and all of their love. Eric donates quite a bit from the uh, No Agenda Nation show. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does. He does a lot. Uh, how, how about those bags? We had like a weird meeting on email. Uh, the bags are going to be approved once I get my hands on the ba on the bag that he wants to use, and then it's going to go out. It's going to be a, it's going to say bag thirty three. It's a Thorin art, I yep, believe. Yep, it is. And uh, Thorin gave us the original with the in bigger, you know, so we could actually make it into a screen. And it's going to say bag thirty three, no agenda show dot com instead of just no agenda show. Mm, okay, and then it's going to have some in the morning <clears> or something. You know, <clears throat> one of these days I'm going to bundle all of the emails that uh, Eric the Shill sends to you and copies me on and publish them. <laughs> Need I say more? It'd be worth money. Yeah. <laughs> Dvorak.org slash N-A. Help us out, people. We can really use it. It's your birthday, birthday. Oh, no, I'm And it's real 
short for today, but of course, we'll play the jingle regardless. Uh, Grebulon congratulates himself on his birthday there in Israel, and we say happy birthday from all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. It's and we have uh, one nighting and a title. And uh, the title is, uh, this is from uh, Sir Gene. Uh, he has chosen his title. Remember, we had this whole conversation about the sheriff and everything, John, and you as a peerage officer have approved. Uh, he, so we have this title, uh, which he would uh, respectfully wants it done properly. Sir Gene Baron de Marriott, Sheriff Protector of Tejas. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, He is the Baron of the Marriott. De Marriott. I think he stays at most of the Marriott's. He probably is, gets a lot of points. Maybe he gets some extra points. <laughs> well, remember when we were on the Hot Pockets tour, we, he put us up in the Marriott on his points. Oh, yeah. he's a points guy. It- yeah, I know. There's a lot of people that just, they, they travel and they're just, they're real dedicated to these points. points yeah. So they'll stay at one hotel chain. Yep. And the Marriott's one of the ones they stay at. Yeah. They must have a good program. Yeah, they do. Worldwide, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty good. Um, Let's see. Actually, if you go into... Oh, oh never mind. Okay. Uh, let me just do this first, and I'll tell you my story. Okay. John Harrison, step forward, sir. Thank you very much. And your accounting checks out. We are very happy to welcome you to the Roundtable Do-Nights. And, of course, uh, you can always bring your lovely wife, Sherry, and uh, have her hang out at the table if you uh, want to. So, in the, uh, in, the, in the... Here we go. We hereby pronounce the Sir John Harrison Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable... And for you, sir, of course, hookers and blow, rep boys and chardonnay, hot pants and booze, long-haired heavy metal guys and scotch, wenches and beer, Ruben S. women and rosé, gushes and sake, vodka and vanilla, bong hits and bourbon, sparkling cider and escorts, and uh, if you are hungry, mutton and mead. Lovely. Thank you so much for your support of the best podcast in the universe. It is highly appreciated. And everyone so my, else, <clears throat> please, my... please, please, please help us out for Thursday's show. Dvorak.org slash N.A. So the Marriott, uh, the Marriott, which is kind of like a middle in hotel chain, it seems to me, in the U.S., is like top drawer in Asia. I mean, if you go to the Marriott in Singapore mm-hmm. or uh, the JW Marriott in Singapore, these mm-hmm. places that in Europe or in, in Asia, they're yeah. dynamite. They're building a new one here in Austin. It's going to be huge. A yeah, J- they make JW. big ones. I mean, they have that yeah. huge one, that horrible looking one. My favorite one, which is the, I think it's still a Marriott, because, you know, these things are like trading cards now, so these hotel chains buy and sell them to, amongst themselves. Hmm. I can manage it better. Okay, here, manage it better. As that big giant Marriott over in San Francisco that's got that funny-looking top. It looks like a giant jukebox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. <laughs> when they were building that thing, I was with Mimi walking down the street that's the it was 6th or whatever that street is, or 5th or 4th. And there's a church there, and there's a uh, the building was was we're approaching the building, and there was a broken sewer pipe between the buildings next to the. Oh, uh, I remember this story. Wow, it's been Marriott years. And the Marriott, yeah. and we looked down in the sewer pipe, and there were rats, right. hundreds of rats running like crazy through the sewer pipe toward that that hotel. It was pretty gruesome. I mean, right. I'm sure there's no rats in the hotel, but just saying. Yeah, the first time you told it four years ago was a little better. I'm not quite sure what you just left out. I, I, you, left probably, you know, these stories that get watered down in yeah, time. They do. I, they, they do. I, I, maybe my storytelling is lacking, lackluster. 
So I want to talk about Syria for a moment, um, because this will come back onto the radar, and I think it'll be this week. And it's been very interesting reading the official the official word coming out of the White House. There was a you know there there is a real official document, and it seems like the the White House really wants to do a a Libya move. They really want to have the UN. They want the no fly zone. Um, and so it's being pushed very, very hard by primarily, the, I think, the Washington Post, um, and uh, who was reporting on Israel. And so the way this is breaking down is Israel is saying that they have proof that chemical weapons are being used. I have a, just a couple clips just to accentuate this, and I have some thoughts on it and uh, some uh, inside information on uh, unreported information, I should say, on troop movements. David, what evidence are the Israelis offering that the Syrians used chemical weapons? Marcus, they've been a little bit vague about uh, what the nature of their evidence is. Some of it is clearly photographic from what we were told today. Day, and they say they saw people frothing at the mouth and so forth, which can be a symptom of using sarin gas, but it can also... <laughs> Maybe it was just a bad oyster or something. It doesn't sound like that's a really solid report. Also be doctored up, and it can be a symptom of, of other things. They maintain that there was other evidence as well, what they call direct evidence, but they wouldn't say whether or not that meant that they had soil samples or they were able to uh, do direct examination of some of the victims. Or <laughs> this, by the this way, is all bullcrap. There's no, there's nothing here in this report. And you know who this is? This is the New York Times, John. This is on their website. This is the New York Times, that gossip rag. Here's Dutch uh, Ruppersberger. Um, what is he? Uh, is he a member of the House? I think so. Let's see what he has to say. <laughs> Oh, this is very funny, actually. So he comes out of his confidential meeting. I guess he chairs the uh, the committee. And uh, Dana Bash, who... Uh, Dana Bash is like a... Really, Alien woman. She's like a really, 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 really ugly Molly Wood. You don't think that Molly she's Wood a gray? Is, what? No, no, she's just a moron. And... She, you know, Nobody has eyes that big. She's like, you know, she's like the reverse. Of, Molly Wood is is cute and, and sexy and smoking. And this is like Dana Bash, like looked at Molly and said, I want to look like that and tried to do it, but can't pull it off because she's just, I mean, she's ugh, weird looking. Very, she's very weird. That. And so she's like, CNN, CNN over here, CNN. And Rappenberg, he immediately is like, CNN, where's Fox? I was supposed to do Fox. You know, <laughs> these guys are such whores. We come to the, like, Fox. What do you do that? We, we feel that chemical weapons might have been used. Congressman, can you send the microphone? Thanks. Oh, CNN. Is that CNN? It's about everybody. Where's Fox? I was supposed to go on. But... Yeah, where's Fox? I was supposed to be on. Oh, well, oh, well, I'll have to do CNN. You guys got no ratings, but okay. Oh, how are you all? Hey, yeah. Huh? Question, are you the, the, what are you learning? I, I think we first thing this was to bring all of our members together to give them information in a, cl a classified setting. Uh, we we feel that there has been some chemical weapons that have been used, but we're still investigating uh, who 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 did it, where it's coming from, and uh, right now we're just in an evaluation stage. One of the most important issues is that we do bring together the other countries. We need to work as a team. Uh, like we did in Libya, you know, we brought the Arab League involved, and it was NATO involved. It's the same situation here. I would say, though, that I... You hear what he's saying? You hear what he's saying? I think it's very important for us to continue to that talk to Russia, slip. because I think oh, yeah. Russia could really... Back make that up and play it again. Oh, yeah. No, he says it right there. He says it right there, and I can back that up.
up with some insight. And, you know, like we did in Libya, you know, we brought the Arab League involved, and it was oh. NATO involved. Oh, Arab League. Oh, okay. So It's the same situation here. Okay. I would say, though, that I think it's very important for us to continue to talk to Russia, because I think Russia could really make a difference in helping to resolve this serious, uh, terrible situation where people are being killed every day. Yeah, okay. So a couple of things. First of all, uh, I have on high authority that all the Patriot missiles in the Gulf are now being moved to Jordan. Jordan, of course, you know, we've been told 200, maybe 200 dudes. We'll send a couple of troops out there. No, it's 20,000. And uh, the the guy running the show in Jordan currently uh, is U.S. Major General, retired U.S. Major General Gary Harrell. And he has been training the King Abdullah II Special Operations um, for several years now. This is a huge operation. This is like Blackwater. And so the attack is going to come from Jordan and there'll be some provocation, but it's really our advisors or our consultants, because Russia is never going to go along with this. Russia will not go along with it. So there has to be some kind of, um, well, we can call it a false flag, but there has to be some kind of provocation where Jordan will have to attack Syria. But it's not really Jordan. It's really the United States. Now, here's the problem that I, it's, it's, it doesn't work in my mind. And, and, and you don't agree with me on this, John, but I don't understand being a child who grew up <clears throat> with the threat of the neutron bomb. Do you remember the neutron bomb? Yeah, the neutron bomb. What was, do you remember what, what was the thing of the neutron bomb? Well, the neutron bomb is essentially a fusion device that uh, produces, uh, doesn't produce a, a, a normal type of explosion. It, produ- it releases mostly neutrons. Instead of gamma radiation, I think is the what right. the other bombs. Well, do. the way I but was anyway, taught, but it, it it kills everybody, but it doesn't destroy the buildings. Exactly, exactly. And and it was seen as something very scary, um, but and it was of course everyone was going to have one. And I, I, I remember there was like a whole thing stopped it. We can't have neutron bombs. I don't understand the no, it was logic. A big, by the way, I remember that era. It was a big stink made about the neutron bomb, mostly by the left, saying that it was a terrible idea because it would encourage people to drop the bomb because it doesn't, it's not destructive in the way it is destructive where it hits, but it's not destru- widely destructive like see, a regular... You, but see, I, this is what I don't understand, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say it again, and I, you're going to go against it. <clears throat> I, th- I don't understand why things like the neutron bomb and chemical weapons are the red line. <clears throat> so let's just presume that it's true, because now the number is 80,000, that's what John McCain says, that the Assad regime has now killed, eight, slaughtered 80,000 people. I doubt it. But look at the rubble. You know, I think it should be the other way around. You know, it's like, hey, you want to kill your, your own citizens with chemical weapons? Okay, you know, but if you're going to start ruining the place... That's really destructive. You know, killing people, whether you kill them with bombs that blow stuff up or whether you kill them with chemical weapons, you're killing people. I don't understand why chemical weapons all of a sudden is a red line, is so horrible. Can you explain to me why that is worse than blowing people's houses up? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, because chemical, there's a number of the reasons you don't want to use them because you can't control them very easily. But is there a there a horrific way to go? 
No, it's, it's like, what why it's, don't we torture them first and then kill them? Essentially, is what chemical weapons does. Well, what so having you know being blown in half and and dying? You can slowly. dodge a bullet. You can take yeah, defense. But these action. are not bullets. Have, have you seen this the so-called YouTube videos from Syria? These are like car bombs. Everything people are blown to bits. Come on. If you're blown to bits, at least you're not suffering. <laughs> no, of course you're suffering. You don't die immediately. You're like, you know, like you're, everything's blown off and you're laying around. And, you know, it's like at least now it's like the whole family will be but gone together. Very, very kosher. Either. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just if, if you're killing people anyway. Well, that's the that would be the logic of a Hitler. Well, that, yeah, they're gonna get killed well, anyway, so let's keep well, the property so the values <laughs> the property so we don't lose our property values. Yes, this is what I don't understand. It's yeah, like why is it? Like it's a kind of classic capitalistic dilemma. But why it's is a it, dilemma? Why is it a red line? line? Why why is that the red line? Why it? Why could doesn't have to be? It just is. No, but it is. Why are a we settling? Line, line. I drew a red line. Right, gonna allow this. Yeah, but why do we settle for that as the red line? Isn't like killing people in general a red line if we're going to be I mean, honest about it? Yeah, if you want to really be honest about that, is absolutely true. But they it's not. But it's not. They to kill people, but you know. But you but know, with messier, it's we, too efficient about it. We just <laughs> gamma ray everybody. <laughs> I truck down the street with these with these devices and just whack everyone who's down the streets. You can do that. This anyway, it just makes no sense to me. I'm I'm all for chemical weapons. I think if you're going to kill people, kill them with chemical weapons. And to me, it would be the opposite. Well, I'm all for chemical weapons. Quote Adam Curry. Yes, and it sounds and, like you're a booster. And the neutron bomb. And you know, if you're going to kill people anyway, don't make a mess of it. Don't make a mess of it. You have to actually listen to that in 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 overall context and, and realize that it's it sounds like the ravings of an insane maniac. Well, okay. I'm I'm just I'm just calling it as it is. I mean it, it makes no sense to me that this oh this is oh chemical weapons. Oh he's gonna kill people and they're gonna froth at the mouth. Well that's bad instead of blowing them to bits. This is the hypocrisy that I don't understand. Like oh you know, we, we we just keep on going like, oh, whatever. You know, it's eighty. You know, if you believe it, oh, eighty thousand people are slaughtered. No one gives a crap here. Like, oh, but chemical weapons. Well, now this. Oh, that's a red line. It may, this is this is it's hypocrisy to me. That's why I say it. And you're just as hypocritical as the rest. No, no, it's not hypocritical <clears throat> at all. You think it's that- non-targeted? Generally speaking, if you if you shoot somebody, you're targeting them. So you're actually, you know, there's a bad guy. I'm going to shoot him. Chemical weapons just does it doesn't pay attention to any of that. It just kills everybody. <laughs> yeah, women, children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the bombs don't. Yeah, the bombs are, you know, they they do, but it's always a, RPGs, uh, uh, IEDs. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying that in the scheme of things, chemical weapons are worse than bombs in terms of just. Killing, you know, worse than what? Any- worse than what? This is my point. It's non-targeted. It's just just killing people for the sake Who's- of killing them. Well, isn't that what we've been told for two years that Assad is just killing people for the sake of killing them? Yes, which is why we expect him to use chemical weapons, at least in the script. <laughs> and I don't think he'll do it. I think it's. I think it is bogus. I think it's going to be us through the Jordanians. Anyway. Or maybe there'll be 
I don't know how they're going to work the Jordan thing out to make that work. I think I, mean, I, I think it's a red line I for a different reason. I agree with you. I think it's in play, and I've been watching this. I've been watching a lot of overseas news broadcasts from mostly Australia, and uh, which is really stooge of news if anybody has it. Uh, and they uh, they actually I think they broke it because it was like last week or even when we did the last show or just before. There were no uses of chemical weapons in Syria. No, no, no. Every the intelligence guy said no. The Syrian said no. Then all of a sudden, I hear on the Australian news, chemical weapons have been confirmed. Yeah. And I, and the script was changed. Mm-hmm. And then I turn on art, and then within a few hours, it starts to show up here. Yeah. And I think, why did they change the script all of a sudden to now chemical weapons have been used? We think, even though there's absolutely zero evidence of it, okay. so some videos, so, so smoke, I, the I, car on fire. And so uh, now it's like, and now I hear this about Jordan, which doesn't surprise me because there was ink, there was indications a week or two ago about Jordan having a military buildup. Uh, so now I'm thinking, what? This is going to be interesting. I can't, I don't see a, a script uh, plot point going that way. <clears throat> but well, here's the log- here's, here's the logical thing about chemical weapons in this case. We lose out. There's no money to be made in chemical weapons. <laughs> you got to have the smaller stuff. It's a much bigger sale. And it's also better if you blow up the buildings because you have yeah, the contractors. Weapons. Thank you. you. Gotta, the contractors and they got to rebuild. That's thank you. Bank. Now you've now I'll never speak of it again. Just, it creates it. the other way, the nukes. No the, money. Uh, There's uh, no money. Trump bomb. It creates a st- bunch of rotting <laughs> flesh everywhere. <laughs> Stinks. Yeah. Thank you. We figured it out. Now I know. Now I know what's going on. Now I understand. That makes total sense. We can't have uh, Brechtel and all these companies going in. Bechtel. We can't have them. Brechtel. It sounds like a new uh, hair (laughs) salon company. No, it's a it's a new play. Um, No, we we can't have Halliburton rebuilding everything. There's just there's no rebuilding to be done. So this now I understand why it's a red line. It's like, hey, you want to kill your people? Great. Blow them up. Blow them up so that we can come in and we can rebuild your entire country the way we want it with our companies. And we'll bring you that big check. The way we did Kuwait. But but don't just, like, kill your people and just leave us, like, oh, we did, like, one bulldozer. This is no good. We can't make any money that way. Now I so understand. What do you think? How is this going to play out that Jordan's going to get some hop? Okay, get- so all I know is that uh, I got the uh, this information about uh, retired General Major General Gary Harrell and the Patriot missiles being moved to Jordan. This is coming from one of uh, one of our um, military industrial uh, complex contacts, and uh, he's <laughs> he's been right uh, on every yeah, about every. You know what I'm talking. I'm- I'm looking at the Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe. Do you see the guy on the Segway? No, I haven't seen the Segway picture, but I got a picture of the, of this Allen character. He just looks like an operator. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, he's been training everyone. And here there. he is. He's ha- here. He is hanging out with Jordanian Special Operations Forces Center mm-hmm. Director mm-hmm. Uh, Brigadier General Shane Kat Hanai. And he presents the Supreme Allied Commander Europe Admiral James Starvitis with a plaque after Stavridis, 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 first visit to the center. And this is not, this has been going on since October 2010, yeah. this Jordanian connection in this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, so, so Jordan no, this has been this has been well planned. Oh, yeah. No, this is this has been going on. 
Um, that means this is a beauty, and it's going to be it's going to be big. But it's going it's going to be totally it's going to be Arab League, you know. And then I think what will happen is you'll have a strife, you'll have something go on between Jordan and Syria, and then that'll be a reason for uh, NATO to do the whole no fly zone and everything. And they're just going to cut Russia out of the deal because it'll be you know true attacks and everything. Is 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 Jordan in the United Nations, by the way? Sure. Yeah, makes sense, right? Are you sure? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Look, I'm just asking. I mean, there's very few countries that aren't. Right. So that's all you need. All you need, you don't even need a security resolution then at that point, because then you go straight to Article 5 and, you know, boom, you're good to go. I don't think they need permission from, so uh, from Russia at that boxed, point. K-A-S-O-T-C, which I would think would be something to do with the over-the-counter market. Mm-hmm. King Abdullah Special Operations Training Center, mm-hmm. a facility yep. that specializes in latest current counterterrorism special ops and irregular irregular warfare tactics. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, that's, that's like as, that that's like asymmetric. Well, irregular asymmetric. It may or may not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, asymmetric is is a, is an overall style. It's not a tactic. Well, I guess it is a tactic. It too. is totally is. It's located in Amman, Georgia, or Georgia, or Jordan. Uh, HRM Abdullah's vision for making Jordan home to the International Counterterrorism Training Center of Excellence became a reality. And it opened its doors in 2009, May 19th, which is a date to remember. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hmm. okay, well, this will be interesting. Put it in the book because... You it's know, in the book, it's in the book. The the chatter on my uh, on my device has heated the up. chatter. I've got chatter, and it has heated up. By the way, 11.750, I think, is the frequency. 11.750 meg... No, 11.175 megahertz is uh, where you can hear, like, the Air Force and stuff. There's all kinds of cool frequencies to listen to on, on USB. And you can hear them, you know, like, positioning stuff in the Middle East if the conditions are right. It's pretty cool. Huh. That's not where I get the information from, but, you know, I'm just... I did get that frequency from that. <laughs> uh, I'm just sitting in my shack pointing my antenna all over the place. Never stops. Yeah, so there's the information to be had. Nobody uses encryption. Well, well, you know, no one's talking about Jordan, but I. So why don't you just put it in the well, book? No, they've just been a. No, 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 no. No one has said there will be some kind of attack against Jordan or something. No one is saying that. That's for us. We are. Yeah. Um, I have two things left, but I want to leave it, leave it open for you. Well, if let you me got... take it. Let me do a segue here. Yeah. Um. I got a kick out of the story. I think this is from uh, the Midwest, maybe Montana. Oh, I, I have the same story. The, the mid- cheerleader hit list? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, that one I don't have. Oh, <laughs> can I mind. Can I play it? Yeah. The first thing that crossed my mind was going and dragging the kids out of school. It's a phone call Jim Bishop wasn't expecting. And they're calling you saying, you know, there's a hit list at the school. That's pretty scary. Pinell County investigators tell us two students, an 8th grader here at Walker Butte and a 10th grader at Poston Butte High, both cheerleaders, created a hit list of students they didn't like. And I have three kids in both schools. In total, nine students who attended Walker or Poston plus a teacher were named. They had notified uh, the parents of the kids on the hit list. Which definitely made Jim feel much better. Obviously, my kids weren't on it. The school district was notified after a parent found the post on Instagram. That's pretty serious, you know, when you're threatening other kids. But the girls told investigators they never intended to harm anyone. They better take it seriously. In Pinell County, Nabita Fergani, ABC 15 News. <laughs> what is this? 
I mean, give me a break. This is, now, this is what goes on in the Midwest. It's like these girls, a couple, and by the way, that 16 year old's report about that high school is showing you where this is all headed. This is becoming a ridiculous situation in, in American schools. These girls were like any other dipshit cheerleaders, and there's yeah. plenty of them out there. She's not on that. Probably me, me. among the elite, you know, yeah. popular girls yeah. who made a list of the dorks they don't like. <laughs> yeah. And they made a list. They actually published it. It showed up on Instagram. Yeah. We don't like these people. And it probably said, it probably did say something like hit list because yeah. we don't want to talk to them. Exactly. And they made a stink out of it. It's just like kids, you know, these kids. You know, but this is not just the Midwest. This is uh, now in the Netherlands. Of course, everyone's all uh, in jitters because we have the big abdication celebration coming up in two days on the 30th of April. Um, and so now we have the Queen stepping down on Queen's Day, which is already crazy. And then we have uh, our new Prince Pils, our beer prince, stepping in. Uh, he'll be drunk, no doubt. It'll be fun, fun to watch. And uh, so everyone's all like, ooh. And on 4chan, twice now, someone has said, oh, I'm going to go shoot up the school. And they've, they're now doing lockdowns of Dutch schools. And, uh, and, you know, oh, yeah. God. We don't have guns in Holland, by the way. So I don't understand why everyone's so afraid because, you know, this is, it's not America. You don't have, no one, not, there's no like AR 15s all over the place. Oh, I'm sorry. No, they only have, uh, machine guns that the, uh, the criminals are shooting each other up with. But okay. But now, instead of lone wolves for the 30th of April, now they're talking, they have a term now in the Netherlands, Gitmo Nation Lowlands, called Einzame Gekke. Which translated directly means lonely crazies. And that is their, that is now, that is their version of the lone wolf. And they are, they've talked to many people already who they, they have to be lonely. <laughs> yes, lo lonely crazies. And they've well, got, that's going to include a lot of old maids in this country. Yeah. Well, going. Yeah. But they've gone out and they, they're, they, it's basically pre crime. They're out there checking, uh, checking the lonely crazies. We've had discussions with several who we thought, you know, are crazy enough that they could just go and do something nuts, you know. So uh, we may have to lock a few up if we are suspicious of them. This is very, very bad. <laughs> this is where it goes. This is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Now, my favorite clip of the week oh. is the lesbians in middle yeah, school. That's the one I had, too. Yeah, let's play that. Some Red Hook, New York middle school parents are outraged after their daughters were forced to pretend to be lesbians in front of the classmates. The Linden Avenue Middle School anti-bullying campaign focused on homosexuality and gender identity. Parents say their daughters were embarrassed by the role-playing. Parent Mandy Kuhn told reporters, quote, she told me, Mom, we all get teased and picked on enough. Now I'm going to be called a lesbian because I had to ask another girl if I could kiss her. Kuhn says parents were given no warning of the event and no choice to opt out. School administrators <laughs> defended the workshop and say they're planning more. I want to opt out of the lesbianism, please. So I looked into this a little bit. Can I just play my clip so it's a different report? Exact, different report exact, exact same words. Exact same words. Oh, did to stop it. <clears throat> Some Red Hook, New York middle school parents are outraged after their daughters. Do you hear that? It's the exact same words, no, John. It's the exact same clip. No, it's not. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, it is. No. We're forced to pretend to be lesbians in front of really? the classmates. Yeah. The Linden Avenue middle school. Are you sure it is? Your clip is different than mine. 
in this regard is, for one thing, it's equalized differently. But you have that same little end of that guy. You didn't clip it off. I have the same thing. The guy at the end, before, at the very beginning of your clip, you got a little guy cut off. I have that on my exact same clip. It sounded different. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's equalized different. It does sound different. Anyway, you you looked into it. So I looked into it a little bit, and it's only a brouhaha between a bunch of Christian churches who got wind of this Mm, and the gay community. And so if you read both sides, apparently it was was like an exercise where you're supposed to ask somebody to kiss you, but you don't have to, but you can if you want to. And I I kept looking into this, and the gays were saying, it's just showing that the Christians hate gays. And it went on and on with with this back and forth. Then I I found one deeper deconstruction, or or actually actually a report, a a deeper reporting. Uh, It turns out that, and here's my analysis. It turns out that this was a health class that was given as kind of a test of, of the high schoolers who were, who were going to go come down to the grade schoolers and teach them a little bit about bullying and some other stuff. So it was high school. It was high schoolers that were doing the class. Oh, they, it, it was their idea. Yeah. No kidding. It's, it's a couple of goofballs. Yeah. Hey, man, I got a great idea for social studies. <laughs> Seriously. It, all indications are it's a couple of goofballs in high school that says, I've got a great idea. Let's have the girls kiss and we'll watch. <laughs> oh, hey, I just like the whole idea of a lesbian opt out. <laughs> Uh, mommy, I want a lesbian opt-out. Oh, that's too, that's too good. Of course, this is exactly what... John, John, you and I could have made this one up ourselves. Like, I got a great idea for this class. Yeah, we got a great Here, idea. Here's what we do. Yeah, so you... Let's... let's we got to do, like, um, role play. <laughs> I, could, I don't think I could do it with a straight face. Um, so it's we, good either. So we really want to do some role play for this particular class. And uh, in this case, we want to demonstrate how horrible bullying is. Now, if you two, yeah, you from the cheerleaders, yeah, if you could just, um, if you could ask her if she's kiss you, like, and then you, and, and I'll pretend I'm a bully. <laughs> hey, you hot lesbians. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, on the last show we did, I, we brought out a Nightline clip showing how, deter- how ABC News in general is, is spokes hole for the government and also deteriorating. I think it's gotten a little worse. And the ta- now, this is another Nightline story, in this case, plugging a book. But I'll just have the intro of it and tell me you don't think this is really hitting the bottom of the barrel. Uh, which one is it? Lead in? Nightline worsens. Oh, sorry. Here we go. Is it otherworldly or a synapse in the brain? Trapped in a car or caught up in a terror attack, it's those moments while fighting for survival that some people report an overwhelming sense of calm, piercing through the panic. It's repeatedly described as spiritual, even divine. Could it be the work of guardian angels? <laughs> ABC's Jay Shadler discovers some very surprising answers. <laughs> this is news? This is Nightline, the big news show that used yeah. to be like Ted Koppel and... Yeah, those days are over. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. Wow. So I'm just trying to think how we should leave because um, this. Well, I I think I can save most of this stuff for Thursday. It'll keep. Um, okay. Are you doing Twit today? Yeah, I am. As okay, okay good. No, then I then I have to leave you with a couple of thoughts. Oh God. Yeah, of course. So um, write this down, okay? Because this will be a topic on Twit, <laughs> and you're going to say the following. Because I read your column. I liked your column a lot about 
you saying that the Google glasses, I'm, I don't call it Google glasses, Google glasses is what I call them, that it's a hoax. And uh, and so this is going to come up, this column's going to come up, but you need to use the following term. Ready? Okay. Glass holes. Glass holes. <laughs> I might be able to slip that in. I think you can slip it in. Uh, these so, are just glass yeah, okay. holes. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about that for sure because I told him I'm coming on to talk about it. Yeah. So uh, let me do one last thing. Well, do you want to talk is, about? You don't want to talk about this particular column because I think it was really good. Yeah. Okay. People should read it. It's on PC Magazine Friday <laughs> edition, <laughs> and it's a column that says uh, I, looking at the evidence over time, and the fact this is taking forever, and that there's been a bunch of setups. You should read the column because it's got all the details. Yeah. I I think Google Glasses is a hoax. I and I really like that. Is a very that column was one of the the closest to no agenda deconstruction I've ever seen. And by the way, I retweeted it. P- people hate me. Because, of course, they think I'm endorsing it, which I do. But, you know, it's like, man. I, I got tons of retweets and no one c- complained about it. Well, that's because it's you. Most people said, I agree. This is obviously a hoax. Oh, really? I got a lot of, man, this is the best thing to happen to computing since uh, the mouse. What kind of people are following you? <laughs> I don't know. Glass holes. <laughs> glass holes, exactly. <laughs> I try, I don't know if I made it up because I tried to get glassholes.com and it's taken. So, but it's, uh, there's, there's no website, but I'm like, ah, oh, that's a bummer. That would have so, been cool. So uh, before we leave, I do want to mention these FBI raids since we have a bunch of them in the show notes now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a bunch of stuff going on. And oh, I have a clip from the Oakland event, which nobody really knows what it's about, even though it's apparently busting some Mexican warlords or something in Oakland. But there's been a bunch of this, and, and J.C., Buzzkill Jr., mentioned that he actually has a friend who has disappeared Whoa. from one of the previous FBI raids, and no one's seen or heard Wait, of him since. People are just disappearing? Multiple, and here, the, yes. And Whoa. this is going on, this is all in advance of May Day, apparently a May Day, and black, this group wait, called Wait, black, wait, wait. Cinco de Mayo? No, that's May 5th. Oh. I'm sorry. At least uh, uh, at least two houses in Olympia and two in Seattle were visited this morning by the FBI looking for a few different people. At least one of the people is being sought because the FBI wants to interview them about May Day slash Black Block. Black Block? Black Block is a, is a uh, group out of Germany that came over here and they were largely responsible for most of the violence that's been taking place in a lot of these events. And they're the ones who caused all the trouble at the WTO protests in Seattle. And we need to get on the black oh, block thing to see okay. exactly who they are. Right. It's, God knows. At this point, it's possibly a, an intelligence uh, uh, operation gone amok, run amok. You know, at this point, it's unclear whether there are subpoenas for either of the people the FBI is looking for or whether they're trying a more informal approach. And apparently... Uh, there's a lot of people that if the FBI comes, you're not supposed to talk to them anyway, according to the guy that we had, the, the whistleblower. If you remember the clip that says, don't talk to the FBI, they're just not, they're not trustworthy. Right, right. Um, was the, uh, apparently, the, what's going on in Seattle, they've got the word out that if the FBI comes a knocking, you tell them you don't want to talk to them and you close the door on them. Yeah, they hell yeah. They can, with the right kind of uh, uh, warrants, kick in the door. Yes, of but course. But apparently... What they've discovered is that kicking in the door, if you're a, if you're fed, involves all kinds of extra paperwork. <laughs> How annoying! 
And so they don't do it. They don't kick indoors much. It's like, oh, wait. They wait for oh. you to come outside and then they grab you or they do other things. Hood, they, they, they put a hood so over you your head. You close your door. Yeah. You have a little better chance. Now, the local police, they don't care. They'll just kick yeah. in your door. Right. But there's no paperwork involved for them. And that's apparently a big, big issue because I guess people bitch and moan about all these doors being kicked in. And this goes way back. And I tracked it back to uh, uh, 20. Um, 10 with some some reports about F when they were arresting 16 anonymous hacking suspects nationwide but back in March the, in 2013 nationwide FBA raids on activists were going on in Minneapolis, Chicago, Michigan and North Carolina and again it was something to do, it's all a prelude to this May Day thing which I don't know anything about very weird so, so, so how do we, on, how do we have to look into it? So what, do, what is the clip you have here? What is this? Uh... The clip is the crazy event that ju just took place, place in Oakland. Uh, I think it was last night. And that breaking news is in West Oakland tonight. Good evening. I'm Dan Ashley. And I'm Carolyn Johnson. The FBI and Oakland police raided an apartment building late tonight near 7th Street and Linden. ABC 7 News reporter Alan Wong is live at police headquarters with the latest for us. Alan? Carolyn, flashbang grenades went off. Residents were forced from their homes, and we are still waiting for the Oakland Police Department to tell us what is going on. Sounds like a typical case of uh, rescuing to me, John. Isn't that how they, yeah, the police rescues people these days? Here's yeah. what we saw. Several FBI agents in tactical gear with fully automatic weapons outside of the City Tower apartment building at 7th and Linden. Oakland police officers in uniform appeared to be assisting with traffic and the arrest of one man at this location. Witnesses say they raided two other apartment buildings in the city tower complex and evacuated the residents. We saw them carry out one bag of evidence, but so far there's been no explanation and the residents are looking for answers. When I get to the lobby, there were so many police in the lobby that they put me up against the wall and asked me, did I have any guns? Guns. They didn't ask for nothing else. Did I have any guns? I said, no, I'm just looking for my kids. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. They never told us what was going on. They just got us standing out here. I'm trying to get in the house with my kids. It's 10 o'clock. We've been out here since 7 o'clock. Oh, you've been rescued. Now, it's unusual to see local law enforcement and the FBI working a combined and coordinated operation like this one. They went in prepared for any type of resistance, but it looks like it was an incident-free night. Now, this was obviously a raid, but again, the law enforcement has not been forthcoming in the details of this evening. And we hope to bring you more information in our morning newscast beginning at 4.30 a.m. Reporting live at the Oakland Police Headquarters, I'm Alan Wong, ABC 7 News. Hmm. Now, it, the, the report was it was a drug bust of some sort, which seems unlikely considering the amount of armed, arm, they had armed trucks and, I mean, armored gear, armored tanks, not tanks, but these crazy looking things. Yeah. And um, weapons of war. Weapons of war on the streets. But if that was the case, why wasn't it the DEA as opposed to the FBI? I don't know, John. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's you know, it, it's going to be our turn eventually. You know, let's hope we get to live a little bit longer. You know, before we get disappeared. I'm sorry, rescued, rescued at the end of a gun. Uh, I'm sorry, Bob Buzzkill Jr.'s friend. Yeah, he's disappeared. <laughs> Is that his imaginary friend? No, no, he's a real friend. He's our friends. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, apparently he was just taken by the FBI and went and just disappeared. He hasn't been. They no one can get a hold of him. No wow. one knows where he is. Nobody knows nothing. This is this is not good. Probably Gitmo. Yeah. yeah. 
Hey, a guy committed suicide in Gitmo. Oh, crap, that's going to screw up our count. Let's bring another guy in and just put him in here. One, two, three. Yeah, they're all here. Yep. Wow. Okay, uh, so um, congratulations, Italia, with your newly appointed prime minister. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Why do you even bother going to elections at all? They're just going to appoint some guy, so good luck on that. Uh, Lowlands, uh, good luck with your lonely crazies on uh, on the 30th. We'll be talking about that on Thursday, I'm sure. And uh, perhaps I can just uh, play you out with uh, the meme of the week, which will be coming up this week, I'm sh- depending on whatever terror we have, you know, terror ink strikes. You never know what can happen. But if we can just please get back to um, recruiting women to vote for the Democratic Party and not for Republicans, which, of course, is why... Uh, we have this whole gun debate. Um, I have the meme, and uh, it comes up at the end of this 45-second report. You ready? Hit it. It's a need to know. Thanks for joining us. The topic of gun control has been front and center ever since last December's elementary school mass shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. And that discussion inevitably leads to another one about the Second Amendment to the Constitution, a mere 27 words from 1791 that continue to inspire fierce debate more than two centuries later. A critical part of the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment. Decade agenda to attack the Second Amendment. While preserving our Second Amendment rights. They all support the Second Amendment, as do I. The Second Amendment is protected. There is a Second Amendment right to bear arms. The term Second Amendment is tossed around all the time, but what do you really know about it? Who was behind it? What were its authors trying to achieve? And most importantly, how does it apply today when muskets have been replaced by semi-automatics? <laughs> Joining us... That's it. Muskets is the meme of the week. I've this, seen that. I've heard that meme before. Yeah, it's a oh classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's coming. <laughs> this When they wrote that, they used muskets. <laughs> they also had cannons in their backyards. Yeah, exactly. And Cassius Clay, yep. the uh, brother of Henry Clay, or nephew or Not cousin. Muhammad Ali, yes. Who, right, who was visited actually by yeah. Muhammad Ali yeah. uh, in this in that era had uh, had to because sh- he, he was an abolitionist. He had to load his cannon up with a bunch of broken glass and the rest of it and shoot it at the sheriff and the police department that was coming in to kick the crap out of him and kill him. And he used the cannon to protect himself. <laughs> yeah, try doing that today. Anyway. Uh, well, I'm I'm a little down after all this. Yeah, the, even the lesbian story didn't pick me up, John. I mean, this is it's getting that, bad. Yeah. Real. Well, I tell you what, we do an end of show clip. is a real shorty. It's a classic. Uh, it's uplifting because it's got an uplifting ending, okay. and it's a little bit by Diane Sawyer oh, introducing good. a segment. You really oh have good. To- is she drunk? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, all right. But she's a little. She may be on uh, Valiant. Oh, perfect. In the morning, everybody. In the morning, uh, Will Harris over there checking us out uh, along with his uh, weekend podcast listening. And uh, in the morning to you, my friend. Uh, I'm Adam Curry here in Austin, Texas. And from northern Silicon Valley. And remind people to go to Dvorak.org slash NA when you get the chance. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back on Thursday with another thrilling episode of the best podcast in the universe. No Agenda Show. Hit it, Diane. Our instant index tonight begins with a piece of history. We know a picture is worth a thousand words, but what about the camera? We all remember the iconic picture, a sailor, a nurse, a kiss for a lifetime in Times Square, celebrating the end of World War II. 
Well, tonight, a mystery revealed about the camera and the cameraman behind the timeless shot. The camera was made in Germany. The photographer was Jewish, forced to flee Germany during the war. And look, there he is, his camera dangling by his side, and then his own embrace, his own version of that kiss. And also tonight, an incredible image and story of survival. They are calling him the miracle baby born amid the ruins in China after the devastating 7.0 earthquake. An army of doctors and volunteers coming together to bring the little boy into this world and their mother and child safe at last together. It is so great to have that ending. Adios, mofo. Dvorak.org slash N-A